On this week's episode of Friend Code, new Pokemon Sword and Shield information, the Game Boy celebrates its 30th anniversary, and these two went to Evo and are going to talk about it. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Damiani. This week I am joined by Ash Paulson of Game Explain. Hello, thanks for having me back. I'm oh, always happy to be here. And always a pleasure. And Matt Simmons of Yo Video Games. Yep, hey, thanks uh, for bringing me in on this. Yeah, good stuff. Um, as you heard in the beginning of the show, the top of the show, we're going to talk about some Evo stuff. And like, yeah. <laughs> I love talking about Evo. Uh, I haven't been in a few years, but you know, I'm really excited to hear about how it was this year. Um, but before we get there, and before we get into our different topics, uh, just a little bit of like opening house cleaning really quick. I just want to give an update that the uh, new show graphics are in in the works right now. They will be ready in the very near future. And I can't wait to roll those out, so look forward to those in a, a future episode. But before we get to Evo U2, something happened this week. Nintendo dropped some new Pokemon Sword and Shield information. And I want to start there with how they handled this. It wasn't a direct. Right. It was done through social media this time. They did have a two-minute video. And I'm kind of curious how you feel about them doing it in this kind of like smaller format versus doing a, 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 like calling it a direct. They didn't call it a direct. It's just here's new information. How do you, you, you think that works? And do you think we get more of this kind of small, like this slow trickle of information as we hit the launch of the game? It definitely makes more sense in a from a production standpoint. It's it's faster. It's probably cheaper. Uh, you know, in terms of if they're going to have a lot of small news drops, I think that makes more sense. But I do think it's less hype. Like, yeah, you know, just having a video appear on the channel, and I actually would would mirror that with the uh, recent you know, Sakurai's recent hero overview right before hero released. It wasn't the usual mini direct. You know, where he talks to us. You know, like pre recorded. It was like this weird live stream and it was fine it wasn't bad but i just it didn't feel as hype when just having him kind of talk casually about hero like you know i mean i'm being spoiled i like those prepared presentations but again i get it it's it's much more direct and much cheaper i would say and and easier to just do an off-the-cuff presentation like that it's been a weird mo i think for nintendo this year because this is not necessarily the first time they did something like this but i, I feel like it's mostly this year where They've had these little snippets, like we're gonna have a video later today or later this week, and they're doing it right now with uh, with Astral Chain, where they're like, "Hey, here's a little combo video, yes, like throughout right. the month. It's not a direct, you know. It's it's just little snippets, which is it's it's a weird fifty fifty for me, because on the one hand, I like getting little, uh, you know, uh, gameplay segments. I like seeing more of these games rather than just in you know the direct every three months." Three, four months, whatever it you know may be, but at the same time, you do lose a little bit of the the fever, you know, of stuff. Because when it's in a direct, people are really excited. You know, everyone's amped for it. And then there's like you know, of course, there's usually more production value put into a direct. So there's a lot more, you know, just I, I guess general general word hype going into it. But yeah, like when when Sakurai's talking about you know just hero just at his desk, and then the Pokemon thing was we're talking about here. It's like. Here's just some footage put together for it, you know, not super splashy. I mean, I think if you're a big fan of, of Pokemon or, or, you know, or Smash Brothers, like, obviously, like I am, and, and Astral Chain, it's like, I'm going to eat it up no matter what. Right. But it, it, I do think there's a risk of some of this stuff getting lost. That's a good mm-hmm. point there, because that's what I was going to get at, because you, uh, you brought up Astral Chain. And I think Pokemon is this a game that can... I think it affords these kind of like smaller 
information dumps like we just had, and right. pe- it'll gain traction. Whereas like Astral Chain, I'm kind of worried that it, it's getting a little bit lost. Like I feel like that game deserves and needs a dedicated direct. Oh, absolutely. Like all that information yeah. in a focus direct, especially <clears throat> this month. Would have, I think would do the game wonders, and yeah. Yeah. instead they were releasing, here's a combo video, here's an eight-minute overview video that they released uh, early uh, in July. It was like two week, a week ago, yeah, two weeks ago. I, I, I we were watching that. it before Easy Living, getting set up for the day before, and I was like, did they just drop this out of nowhere? I was like, this, it's amazing. Like This is selling me more on the game, but they really could do more to kind of bring focus and put a spotlight on Astral Chain. Well, there, there's a higher barrier of entry when you're just dropping videos like that because the thing about directs is people know to tune in for directs because they're hype and, and you're going to get new game announcements. So even if you don't necessarily love you, everything you see in a direct, you're being exposed to it. So you're already watching it. So Astral Chain may not be something you may have looked at if you just see, oh, Astral Chain, eight-minute overview because you don't know what it is. But when you're already watching that direct, you're basically forced to see the trailer. Yeah, that's a really good and point. You're like, oh, yeah, like you, then you have no idea or no choice but to know whether you like it or not. And if you do, then you know to go check out the videos. But if not, if you didn't see that direct, then what's the impetus to go check out this game you've never heard of? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that that is the the one really good thing about directs. Like, luckily, Astral Chain was announced in a direct. Yeah. So yeah. if you the people who did see it while waiting for other stuff can go you know go back to it. Um, another game I think that's going to benefit from that like is Panzer Dragoon. Like it was in Nintendo's E3 direct, so a lot of people are aware of what that is now. Whereas if Nintendo had done what they did with Pokemon and just said you know because. Uh, they had that trailer in the direct, but then the the company making the game itself uploaded a separate gameplay footage clip of it. But you know that didn't didn't get like you know a ton of views because it dropped the same time, so no one knows what it is. Pokemon has the luxury of like okay, we can announce this. And one thing Pokemon also has is that because Pokemon is Pokemon, you're gonna see what happened in that trailer in various ways. And and one of the ways I saw was fan art of the new Pokemon or or mm. someone. Like someone started trending like something about Gene Simmons, you know, from Kiss, and I was like, "What is?" What? And I'm like, "Oh!" And then it brought it back to me. Of course, yeah, because it looks kind of like the the one Pokemon. Oh, I get it. So, in a weird sort of way, like I almost hear more about this this direct stuff uh, through fan art or other social media means because it's Pokemon because it's so popular. But a you know a, a relatively newer game may not have that luxury. You know, when they do like small snippet updates if it's not pokemon you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah that, that's, those are definitely good points and i i yeah it, it's interesting i think nintendo they i mean as much as they have gotten their stuff down to not quite as almost a science with the directs uh I, I think they have a lot to juggle as well and i think what they've done has mostly worked and you know they could still be figuring things out but at the same time there was actual information in this like i, I, yeah. I like I, li- I always love talking about like direct formats and stuff and uh, Nintendo's how they dole out information in their updates. And this update, we got a few snippets of new Pokemon Sword and Shield information, some new reveals. Uh, starting with, uh, they revealed that some of the classic Pokemon are going to get Galarian forms. This is funny because I always thought it was going to be called Galen forms since it's the Galar region. Right. But it's Galarian. They want the Galarian. Galarian okay. almost sounds sci fi in a way. It's kind of yeah, weird. It's like, it's like, yeah. like <laughs> a Bowser Galactica. Yeah. It's like, it's like Galactica Galarian. It's like, here we go. Yeah. Uh, so we got our lo- first look at some Galarian forms, starting with Galarian Weezing. And I am, uh, I think like everyone else here, uh, when a lot of the allies saw it, 
dubbed it the bong Pokemon. <laughs> See, I was like, oh, it's a top hat. That's cute. Nice. And then immediately after on Twitter, someone had drawn fan art of like wheezing and the, the Pokemon trainers, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Now I can't unsee that. That's funny. I, I, it was funny because like, I had this pure image of it. Oh, it's a, it's a gentlemanly wheezing. It was a big old top hat, <laughs> you know, stovepipe hat. And then immediately Twitter ruined that for me. <laughs> right. And that's what's funny is like, I'm usually the last one to have a wholesome interpretation of anything i have a gutter mind but i didn't even consider that now of course you know like it being a bong isn't necessarily gutter mind but like i just didn't even consider that possibility and but now of course now that i think of that context i'm probably going to go back and look at it and not see anything yeah. else yeah can, can can never be unseen now yeah it's yeah. yeah i mean i think they were going for obviously go for the like the smokestack because a lot of the rp behind the new galarian wheezing yeah. kind of supports that and uh they they i like this for people who I like this for people who really care about the the world building and kind of like the characteristics and traits of each individual Pokemon uh, on the Pokemon official website for each of these new Pokemon they give a lot of more details about them and their personality stuff like that for, for Galarian Weezing uh, so in addition to being a poison type uh, it's also going to be a fairy type so I guess this for for Pokemon people this is a big deal because wait, 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 Weezing is that's yes. a weird what? type combo. so they're adding yeah. yeah they're adding a new type to it so they're like dual types now so I'm like oh okay uh, how yeah. But it's yeah. I mean, I'll leave that to more like Pokemon aficionados. That stuff sure. I don't really do a deep dive in. But like, just want to point that out because you get to hear more about that later. Right. But here's some of the RP behind it. <laughs> what what why is glaring wheezing the way it is? It emits purified air from the tops of its heads. So it's a, basically they're a purification system. It consumes polluted air and poisonous gases uh, gases for sustenance. And then the air and gases it absorbs will have the toxins removed before being spewed out again uh, at the from the tops of Weezing's heads. And the toxins that are accumulated within Weezing's body form into concentrated poison gas clouds that leak out and drift around it. And they use that as like a weapon in battle, essentially. So they basically take the gaseous, toxic air, yeah. purify it, send out the purified air, and then use the toxins as an attack. And right. that's how they, that's how they function here. It almost sounds a little <laughs> bit self defeating because you're 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 spewing out purified air, but you're also spewing out poisonous air. So yeah. you're not really helping yeah, the like, air quality yeah, yeah, that like, much. It's like you're helping the environment, but then you're using that against <laughs> right. like other Pokemon. It's like thereby tell, hurting the environment yeah, like, again. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, interesting choice there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's super weird. It's almost like. It barfs out clean air, but then it, you know, excretes poison, you know, at the same right. time. So it's kind of like, okay, what a, what a weird, what a weird, interesting thing. But it, it's, I don't know, it's kind of, again, sort of cute, kind of funny how yeah, they, right. they, they have these yeah. reasons for what it is and what it does. Rather than just hey, it's it's a Pokemon and it has a big head. It's a cone head, you know. Like you, yeah. you can say all you want for like whatever corners you think they've been cutting and stuff for Pokemon. Like they do put some thought into like the story behind uh, oh, this. Oh, absolutely, That's nice. yeah. yeah. Um, they also in these next set of Pokemon reveals, they revealed how older forms will have a, a new a, a new evolution step. Uh, so the example they gave this time uh, was the Galarian form of Zigzag Goon. Yeah, yes. Zigzagoon. Yeah. Uh, so it is. Uh, it's normally a normal type. It will also now be a dark type on top of that. So it just looks a little different from its normal uh, form in visual appearance, but it will evolve like a normal Zigzagoon into a uh, Linoon, but a Galarian Linoon now. 
and it also inherits the dual type traits as uh, as well. But here is where the RP stuff gets a little funny about its evolved form. So a Galarian Line Noon can reach speeds of over 60 miles per hour and can deliver devastating tackles and headbutts. Right. So I want to know what you think about a Pokemon traveling 60 miles an hour and then hitting another Pokemon. So it's, it's like a cheetah with a helmet on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the world of Pokemon, that actually seems relatively tame. Because yeah. Because if, if you yeah, really yeah. go back and look at all the Pokedex <laughs> entries, living in the world of Pokemon would be a terrifying day-to-day experience. Yeah. I, like, I, I remember, <laughs> you know, I, I used to I used to work in, in education, and I didn't keep up with Pokemon very much, like, in the later series. And then, like, they added the, – in the Pokedex, they started adding size charts you know, to how big, how much does this Pokemon weigh? And they actually, like, showed it in comparison to your trainer. And I'm like, so there's a whale in there? They're like, yeah, there's a whale. Yeah. Like, throw a whale out. Like, a whole whale. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the world of Pokemon in general, if you really break it down, it start, it just makes so little sense. And, and just, there are so many different Pokemon coexisting that all have, like, catastrophic levels of, of damage they can do. <laughs> and it's just... It's all good fun and sport. Yeah. Yeah, and for kids. Right, yeah. yeah it, as, you know, these 10 to 12-year-olds are going out on their own and traveling the world and don't have to worry about any stranger danger or anything like that. It's so weird. It's a perfect little world. Yeah. Yeah, it says, like, these attacks have enough destructive force to even knock a car away. <laughs> I love it. It's like this, just get, so, power that in It's funny because, you know, they have the Team Rocket or the Team whatever um, in all the Pokemon games, but, like, how is it? Where, they're, they're so lucky they don't have a Team Umbrella who's going to weaponize these things because, oh, yeah. I mean, like, all I can sit there and think about is just, like, yeah, like, how would the military not be making BOWs out of all these Pokemon? It knocks over cars, you know, and it's the size of a badger. Like, of course, it's it's basically a ground missile. This line of think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was say, I, I don't know each uh, entry of Pokemon. Like, I don't remember all the storylines all that well, even though I played them all. But I think I remember that Team Flare from Gen 6 yeah. kind of... Did a little bit of that, like they were trying to weaponize Pokemon. I think I may be misremembering completely. I was going to bring up even like Detective Pikachu. Yeah, like, that's well, oh, yeah. World, I, like they I mean, kind of go with that direction. I mean, in a way, way but I'm thinking yeah. like way darker. Yeah, sure, like of it course. Could go, yeah, it could go. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking way, way too dark, you know, for a Pokemon. But I'm just like, you put that in the game. You presented this. It can do this amazing, incredible, destructive thing. <laughs> and yet, I'm like, and how is it not like just part of the? everyday military or yeah. whatever all the time like this this world this, like you said this world would be terrifying to live in yeah this would not be a place i'd want to visit like there's game worlds i want to live in and not pokemon i like <laughs> that sure. yeah i like this now because in our monthly q a every now and then we get asked like what game world would you love to visit and stuff and it's like you, i'd be like hmm, po- pokemon would come to mind because it'd be cute little cuddly pokemon but uh, after this conversation it's like i if someone ever or the, uh, one of the other allies ever calls out and be like actually let me tell you about some of the pokemon in this world here yeah um these two Pokemon, their evolutions that they've been around for a while, and their Galarian forms, a different appearance, different attributes, but the Galarian forms will now have a third step in the evolution change: a brand new Pokemon, Obstagoon. Uh, it is uh, so. There was a note at the top of the page that explains how more than just uh, there'll be more uh, Galarian forms of Pokemon that will go through a third evolution stage, essentially. So living in a unique environment of the Galar region, some regional forms of Pokemon have developed unique evolutions unseen in any other region. 
So I think that might get some people excited for that, seeing like their old Pokemon kind of redesigned for this game, but also getting a new evolutionary step. Yeah. This is the, like yeah. the bipedal one, right? Where he looks like... Yeah, yeah, like his hands like, crossed <clears throat> with the claws. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and this is a concept that was introduced in Pokemon Sun and Moon with last generation. And I think what's cool about how they're expanding in this is... I might be wrong on this, but but just thinking off the top of my top of my head, I think all the Alolan forms of perhaps past Pokemon were all Gen One, and that's cool. I mean, people love Gen One. I, I maybe yeah, yeah, I think they're all Gen One, yeah. and that's like the iconic set, right? But I do think it's cool that now we're going post Gen One with some of these new forms. That's a good point. Yeah, Thanks what, for clarifying what, what that. This, yeah, yeah, yeah I did, didn't know that what actually. Where did the Zigzag Badger come from? Oh, man, I'm so like if Derek was here, he would know all this. But I think Gen three. I want to say Gen three because I was looking up at Bulbapedia. That's uh, that okay. That sticks out. Gen Gen three and Gen six were brought up in the entries I was looking at. So okay, I think correct, Gen three. We love yeah. corrections here. We love corrections. <laughs> you know, let us know how ill-informed we are about Pokemon. But uh, that's not like the only thing. Yeah, as you mentioned, this isn't something completely new to the series. But seeing them break into a different generation, it's just something something nice to see them keep doing. But this next thing. I'm not sure if it's ever been seen before. Uh, form changing Pokemon, where some Pokemon can change their form often because of the effects of certain items or their own ability. Um, they don't simply change the appearance of Pokemon, but it'll change their attributes essentially. And the example that they gave, yeah, is uh, Morpeko, which is an electric type by default, and it uses an ability called Hunger Switch, which triggers. Hangry mode, <laughs> I love that. which changes it to a dark type. So it goes from electric to dark type. And its move aura wheel, its properties change from like this electric looking like spinning wheel to like a dark attack essentially. It's like, oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, I had to, my first thought of that Pokemon. I was like, oh, it's like a cosplayer. You know, they're electric at the beginning of the day and then they get hangry because they're in a costume all day. Oh. Like, <laughs> if, if you like, you know, people who've been around conventions and cosplay enough, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You go from I'm jazzed and enthused to by the end of that day, at the end of that photo shoot, you're like, I am hangry. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is this like the Snickers thing? Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, Okay, That's okay, exactly yeah. what I was for for, for, <laughs> okay. no, for normal people. It's a Snickers like thing. I was just thinking like, yeah, this Ooh. is like being in like costume because I, you know, I played Doctor Doom, you know, all those years ago and stuff for yeah. Sesame and all that. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, at the end of the beginning of the day, you're you're pumped and jazzed. At the end of the day, you're like, I'm just you're just dying. Just like, yeah. Hunger. So I was like, I thought it was a funny cute Pokemon. I'm like, ah, I can re- I can relate to this thing. Uh, I will say that I don't think form changes are new. Uh, okay. I, don't, I don't know if it's the exact same concept, but there you can even see this in Smash Ultimate with the spirits. Like if you evolve, I think it's Shaman. Shaman okay. evolve, like has its own form, and then there's also like Landorus and Thunderous. There's like land form and something else form. And is it through evolution it changes? That's, so that's this, what I'm not so completely this is, yeah, sure. Yeah, because this isn't this isn't an evo- yeah. It was obviously it's yeah. not evolution. It's just a ability <clears throat> it does, and it can change back and right. forth. So um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like I'm sorry. Like I was trying to quickly search for this, but unfortunately, like, I'm also not the biggest Pokemon expert, so it doesn't right. come to mind. But I'm a little shocked th- the fact this that this is new. Yeah, the fact that they're making this a big deal, it's either it means it's going to be more prominently featured, so it's not like a one-off or just a few Pokemon. This might be a more common thing in the Galar region here, or it is something that, you know, is a little bit on the newer side, like, with, without having to evolve the Pokemon, it yeah. stays, yeah. it can change types. Because, yeah, because, like, you go all the way back to Eevee, and, you know, and it has, like, you know, all these different, you know, things it can evolve into. Oh, yeah, yeah, But, like, it's permanent once you mm-hmm. do that, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, you <clears throat> right. you can't, yeah, like, that's the thing. I think this ability... I think it's just another way to add another layer to battles, essentially, that, right. like, it's something now, especially when it comes to human battles, that 
you have to account for this now. It, yeah. it just yeah, adds so, another so, layer you have to like deal with to make it more like flexible right. and more varied. So the concept itself isn't different, but the but the process by which it happens may, might maybe. Be. Yeah, might be. yeah, I think that might be the the best way to yeah, about putting so, it. Yeah. So, but that's yeah. only really unique to certain times. Like it's the, the Hangrymon or whatever his name is. Um, I, I already forgot. Oh, uh, I just no, like no. it's called Hangry Mode. Hang- yeah. Hang- <laughs> like just like hungry but angry. Hangry yeah, Mode. Right. Yeah. Hungry, angry. Um, I think that's. It seemed to me like that was unique to that Pokemon. It's not going to be like a lot of old Pokemon will have this ability to change types. It's kind of unique to this one in a way. So it's not like you're going to get this weird meta where someone's going to have a team of Pokemon and all of them are going to have the right. ability to change type hmm. during battle. It's mostly like if he puts out this thing. Then you know that okay, that thing can go from electric to dark. I believe yeah. was the other one. Yeah, electric so, to dark. So it's like okay, if he has that one particular Pokemon, I know he can bounce between those two. It's not like yeah, he's gonna have a exactly. Whole team it's not going to be yeah. They know. do say some in the at the top of the page, meaning implying it's more than one. Hmm. But I wonder if there'll be like like you do online battles, or if you go to like, tor- like tournaments, will it be a restriction like only one. Right. They're called dual types, I guess is the the term they're using well, there. Dual types and like the dual or type. not dual type. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, Never mind. I got that wrong. I apologize. Okay. But like this type of Pokemon being able to do this, they might be a restriction sure. on how many you can have in your party. And how There's like o- le- the rule yeah. against like legendaries also, and stuff right. like that. How yeah. often can it switch back and forth? Can it do it just as long that's as it's not alive? explained. You know, right. yeah, it... that's not explained in here, so we don't know until you know you get to try it out. Yeah. So. There's going to be a lot of, of new, well, not new, but a lot of concepts for for you know tournament organizers to really get through in this because you got Gigantamax and you got Dynamax, yeah. you got the form changes, <laughs> I don't you got all this them. stuff, and yeah. and uh, you know, but of course to be fair. Stuff like Dynamaxing, it's really just a new coat of paint for things like, you know, Z-moves, Z-moves and yeah. Evolutions. And, yeah, yeah. I, I had people at E3 who, who played the Pokemon demo um, for me, and they don't play a ton of Pokemon. They know about it enough, but it was just like even even people who are only tiny bit aware of how Pokemon works, even they were kind of like, it just kind of seemed like a new, basically a new way of saying, you mm-hmm. know, what they've already done. Like it's just, That's oh, totally they, what it is. They, they get big. It's, it's kind of something yeah. we've already seen. Now they're just big. Yeah, this has been one of the think the loud, loudest voices for criticism against this game has been that it's just a new coat of paint on old stuff for a lot of this, these things. I and thought it was to, trees, but like, but also if you're a Pokemon <laughs> fan, like, don't you kind of? I mean, it's like it's like being a Mega Man fan. Like, you come because the formula works, and they don't, yeah. they don't change it up from game to game that much, and you go because it's familiar. I'm not, I'm not saying that fans who want something new are wrong. But I just feel like to be that surprised that they're not going in a completely new direction is a little weird. This is a very good internal debate <laughs> for, like, I think all video games, especially when it comes to franchises. It's like people loved a game for what it was. If it's, if it's successful and popular, right? Obviously, if it's a bad game from the start, it's a bad game from the start. But a game like Pokemon, people love Pokemon for what it is, right? They don't love it for what it's not. So you have this... It, when you get however many games, what are we, eight generations in now at yeah. some point? We're this far in, and it's like, okay, um, mm, you know, how many people want it to be drastically different? How many people are just, just want it to be as it is, but just a little bigger, a little prettier, whatever? So it's a really hard thing to, to juggle. And, and I'm always kind of like, I always look back to, say, um, Devil May Cry 1, because it started as Resident Evil 4, and it just got too different. So they said, hey, let's make a new IP, which I feel is is... Maybe and, and Pokemon has lots of spinoffs. You know, right. they've 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 slowed down a lot on them a lot because there's, you don't see like Pokemon Ranger and um, the other ones they used to have Mystery Dungeons as much. But it's like I feel like you know if if 
there were going to be an option for like drastic changes beyond getting big Dynamax or whatever. Like maybe that's something more like a, a Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness kind of idea. Maybe maybe right. maybe that would be the the better solution. Um, if you wanted something drastically different, I don't know. I'm spitballing here, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I like as someone who's actually reviewed these games as well. Like this comes up a lot. Like how much do you go after them for giving you more of what like the same? But it's also like what are the expectations? Do you, you, it's not going to be a revolutionary new game and still be Pokemon? Like right. I, I feel like there's this unrealistic expectation sometimes oh, yeah. about. It needing to go undergo a massive transformation, and then is that really what people want? Like, will it be too different and will it be unrecognizable that form versus you know, are they doing too much the same and getting away with it? Like, it's it's this back and forth tug of war that's gone on for a long time yeah. now, and I think it just kind of was amplified by the fact that a lot of games on the Switch this generation and in the first party franchises from Nintendo underwent some significant overhauls, like mm-hmm. with Breath of the Wild, the stuff they did in Odyssey, even Fire Emblem like Three Houses recently, and they look at Pokemon, like, this is the first console one, like, here we go, what are the big changes? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. they get big. (laughs) Right, but I have to say, like, I mean, no, like, here's the truth, no matter, literally, no matter what they do, people are going to be angry. Oh. Literally, they literally cannot make everybody happy, and no matter what they do, people are going to rage. Of course. there's yeah. I will say that I I think their their biggest marketing and PR mistake with Sword and Shield so far has nothing to do with Poke Exit or the National Dex or anything like that. I think it's that they showed Yamper too early because there's literally uh, nothing that could ever be better yeah. than a Corgi Pokemon <laughs> with a heart-shaped butt. Like, there's, you just can't. That was should have been, like, their last reveal. That's what they should have It's all saved. downhill from there. Like, yeah. you can't. Yeah. Well, you see, I was fine because I actually didn't know about this Pokemon existing. <laughs> nice. So okay. You just said it. Uh, no, so spoiled. he's actually at E3 and you can Dynamax it. So it's a giant yeah. Maybe Corgi, I did see it Electrotype Corgi. Yeah, I think you've seen it and you just didn't know it's it was It's great. Really? Yeah, great. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, besides new Pokemon reveals, we got some new story-related reveals. Uh, new uh, rivals, new uh, the new team reveal. So you got two new rivals that they introduced. Uh, I forget. I apologize to get this name wrong because I didn't double check. I was said, but I'm gonna. I, uh, is it Bead or Beady? I wasn't sure. Bead sounds more. Yeah, like I, would, I would. Yeah, uh, I feel like it should be Bead. But if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I apologize. Um, they have joined the gym challenge, and they got their endorsement from Rose, who's the chairman of the Galar Pokemon uh, League. So if you don't know, the only way you can get into the Pokemon gym challenge is if you like are endorsed or have like a letter of recommendation basically authorizing you to participate in this. It was right. their big reveal in their last huh. uh, video about how the rules yeah. right, of this challenge right. is going to work. And, uh, you know, it's just their rival. Nice design and stuff, you know. I liked it. I'm actually really happy yeah. to see Bead because one of the things I've been complaining about about like you know recent Pokemon games is that your rival has gone from being an abject douchebag like Blue to <laughs> to being nice guys like they're your friends they're your rivals but like they just want to you know pal around with you and that's that can be a cool t- kind of rival but it's more fun to want to beat your rival when when they are a jerk. And this guy Bead seems like he's gonna be that he's gonna play that role. Like I couldn't stand Hal in in <laughs> Sun and Moon because he was just. Kind of just derpy and just a nice guy, which is fine, but not for a rival character, in my opinion. It's kind of fun to have a rival that you do really want to beat. I just felt bad for Hal the whole time. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the yeah the, the the ones I've played recently, yeah, they've been too friendly and right. Stuff. So I'm and, glad to see the return yeah. of like the well, douchey. I, I I'm surprised, you know, because. I didn't really play Sun and Moon that much. I didn't realize he was such a bro or whatever. Oh, it's not a bro. Yeah. He's just kind of he's just kind of 
bumbling along, just kind just of, kind of like a happy-go-lucky. Yeah, kind of happy. And there's that's cool, but like <laughs> because yeah, because just... I remember uh, was it Silver and and Blue or Gary? You know, I remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just yeah, they were just kind of they're just kind of you know. You'd, Jerks, you know. Oh yeah, you know Gary was yeah. here. Ash was a loser. Yeah, you, know, like, yeah. you, you were <laughs> so ha- good. You were, you were like so happy. Like, in fact, it was almost to a point where like, how did you beat the Elite Four? You right. know, when you get to them, it's like because you know if you're playing it right, you whop the Elite right. Four. That's like that's like the midpoint of the game, really. It was yeah. <laughs> What's funny is I think I I didn't ever quite completely finish Sun and Moon, but I think that Hal ends up being the champion that you fight. Oh, and and that's what's funny is like, how did this guy, this bumbling you know guy, <laughs> yeah. how did he? Beat the Elite Four and become the champion. Incredibly lucky. Yeah. How? He, well, here, he here's my up. question because there was there was uh, a beat and there was the other Marnie. Character. So the other one and, is Marnie, but, right? I, I just wanna was this a thing where it's different between versions? There's nothing about so for these two. It didn't I say didn't read. I didn't read anything about this. Yeah. Because you were making a reference to last time the two new right. gym leaders. Because there were two. There, yeah. Because there'd be different gyms in each yeah, version. There was, these are so Marnie is I believe. Uh, Another rival, but I think it's bigger because they're tied to the new Team Yell, yeah, is essentially. It, is it, is right. Yeah, is it like a Team Rocket thing? Um, yes. So Marnie, uh, so Marnie is gonna their Pokemon, kind of like their buddy Pokemon, is the Morpeko. Yeah. So the one we talked yeah, about yeah, yeah. that can switch. Um, and again, she's also trying to become the champion. Uh, so her backstory is she has a lot of passionate fans. And uh, she's very kind of like calm and calculated in her battles. But the part about her fans, these crazed fans are now the new team. This is your new enemy team, (laughs) Team Yell, a group of troublemakers who seem to appear wherever the gym challenge takes you. And they attempt to get in your way at every opportunity. This is the most beautiful coincidence ever. Because this is, you know, it was funny when I first, uh, you know, posted on Twitter about Team Yell. I wasn't a fan. I'm like, eh, it's not yeah. cool. And like, I love Team Skull. I'm like, to follow up Team Skull is really tough. But then various fans pointed out to me, like, hey, no, Team Yell is just a toxic fan base. And I'm like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Yeah. It's a little meta. But <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> so good. It's very, given current it's events, it's so yeah, good. It totally is. I love it. So is is she like like a Giovanni or is she a, a rival? Like, so because it's usually just one rival per game, correct? Well, I, no, there there have been a couple in Gen Six. Oh, yeah, and seven. They did point out there's one line of uh, a subtitle, in one of the images that say, "Yeah, they get rowdy, they do all this stuff, but they seem the only time they will subside is when Marnie finally asked them to." So this implied that she has a point where she's like, "This is not acceptable. You right. need, you know, to call this out." I'm like, "Oh, they're also doing that part of it where some so people good. should call." It, oh, I see where they're going with this. And I mean, it had. What's funny is it had to be a coincidence because you know, with how lengthy game development is, Team Yell had to have been designed and themed, and you know, concepted out years bef- ago. What years oh, ago? Yeah. Way before all this non, you know, not nonsense, but all this really crazy drama and vitriol happened. With the national decks, and so and the trees, and yeah, so I just I don't know. It had to be an amazing coincidence, but I just especially with the rhetoric today, I love seeing toxic fan bases get kind of called out and and just kind of uh, parodied. It's uh, I, I mean, I think it's more toxic than it's been probably ever. Yes, but like this trend has been going on for a while, oh, yeah. so I think it was more of a general. Yes, and not commentary. just in Pokemon. You see yeah. it in everything. Smash, you know, all yeah. that. Yeah, and especially when it comes to Nintendo, they've had this for decades <laughs> where they yes. dealt with it's this. It's such yeah. a yeah. such a Harvey Dent moment too. You know, you, you either <laughs> your franchise either dies a hero like F Zero. Uh, oh or, yeah, <laughs> or you see us live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> really good point. Really good point. <laughs> That's great. Or, 
they yeah they didn't give too much information about them like i feel like some of the other gym leader reveals had some more information about them team yell was probably the bigger focus of anything oh yeah Mm -hmm. but they uh they did cover one last thing it wasn't it wasn't in the video but it's on the website uh one new bit of information is about poke jobs Right. And in the Galar region, we already knew about this part. It's very common for people in Pokemon to work together. Like, they've been saying this from the start. And their RP is that many corporations and universities request the help of Pokemon through what are known as Poke Jobs. So you can check at Pokemon centers. You can go to Rotomi's and ask, check what kind of job postings they have. And you can, uh, you can also accept them from other places. They said, like, from your boxes directly. And the Pokemon you send out will help the job. They'll gain experience. And certain jobs will be better suited for different types of Pokemon. And they said, like, even there might even be rare item rewards for doing these. And uh, Simmons and I were kind of talking about this on the drive-in. Because I said, like, it's kind of, like, the newest thing. I kind of took this as, like, the old system. I So, in my defense, I didn't play Sun and Moon. Okay. So, I don't know if this was something like this was introduced before. But my understanding of, like, the older games is that... You, there would be that like that NPC in that house is like, oh, leave your Pokemon here that aren't your six. Yes. And we will do we will play with them and they'll get right. experience. And this is like a whole new kind of like metagame, I feel like, where the Pokemon you're not necessarily gonna use as your primary six in your party, you're gonna send them out to do like this is how they're gonna level up. And uh, right. oh, and maybe there'll be rewards that can help benefit like my team. And I, I see just them trying to address maybe a weaker spot. Uh, that some people have had issue with in the past. I don't know if that's a good take and I'm missing the mark because maybe they just yeah. this before. I don't think so, as okay. far as I know, but at the same time, this feels like a half step because, I mean, this just reminds me of, like, the guild missions in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, right? Mm. Like, there's nothing interesting about them. You, you send your Pokemon out, you, you forget about oh, them, yeah. they come back and you get experience. And this is a really, really random comparison, but I'm thinking of, like, the job listing boards in a game like Mega Man Battle Network 2 or 3 where... They're all side quests. So you accept a job, and then you go talk to an NPC who appears somewhere in the world, and it's a whole quest. And now this I get, is not what this is going right, to be. Right. Yeah. That's not what it seems yeah, like yeah. it is. And now I get it. Pokemon is a much more robust, content-rich franchise than Battle Network was. Just, you know, they only had six games. We have, like, eight gens now and, like, a thousand Pokemon. But, you know, not all of which are going to be in the game. But I can see why they couldn't do that for every job. But it's just... This could it also doesn't interest me. Yeah, this goes also. I mean, you pointing it out from Xenoblade Chronicles, the the guild missions. I mean, this concept's been around. It I think got popularized in the uh, two generations ago, uh, or like wait, last generation, the three sixty PS three generation, like Assassin's Creed. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like send your assassins on like these like missions yeah. and stuff, and then every game started doing that. And it's yeah. maybe this is them actually playing catch up. Like, oh, we could have been doing this with you know all the like you've been catching all these Pokemon. What are you doing with all of them? We even saw this. Around? Yeah, we even saw this in games like Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker and yeah. Metal Gear Solid Five. Like, and oh, just yeah. in, in all these yeah, forms, this it meta just game. never yeah. is interesting. Yeah, game. it's just something yeah. like, oh, it's it's like, it feels like a daily or weekly type thing. Like, it's right. part of a grind to, to keep yeah, you coming well, back. Like, keep sending them out. It's, it's not like PTSD where it's like trying to max out Ursula and Xenoblade Two. Oh man, it's all mercenary mission based. So you literally just have to. <laughs> Jeez, and you know, like someone uh, told me about that, I'm like. Nope, never leveling her yeah. up. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We even just saw this added to Smash Ultimate in a recent patch where you can send your spirits out on yep. these. But what's stupid oh, about right. that yeah, implementation yes. is that you have to stay on the screen 
Yes. While you wait for them, that's the dumbest. Because the uh, the yeah. whole thing's about oh, go explore the cave or whatever with linebacker. You, like, you don't you, have you, to be you around can go for away. That. You yeah, come back in six hours, ten hours, or whatever. Yeah. Now it's like no, I'm like that's the worst. Yeah, it that, makes that's, no that, sense. That, I hate that. That's yeah. no, not a fan of that at all. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it was it was in the video, so I don't think it's like that big of a point. It's just right. something they're just adding in it, there. This is more of maybe, like an, an eternal war of menu management to me. It's kind of like. Like, I'm, I'm playing through Fire Emblem right now, and it, the battles are great. Like, I'm enjoying the battles, and then it's, like, all the Hogwarts stuff is, like, uh, and it's mostly just menu management at the end of the day. Like, and, and for me, it's kind of, like, it drives, it kind of can drive me a little nuts. Um, even even in really good games that have it, um, you know, I think back to Mitsuno and all his all his Evilis titles. That, that man loves menus. <laughs> more than anything like we could achieve world peace if everyone could learn to love each other like that man loves menus <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever played like tactics original and Final Fantasy 12 and stuff it's like yeah yes man loves his menus he, way too many menus i completely <laughs> that was actually one of the reasons i wasn't a big fan of final fantasy 12 so right I know what you mean. <laughs> um one thing i will say before we move on is uh one of the cool lore things i thought i i, I read in uh i think it's the zigzagoon linoon and then the new evolution line was it whatever the new evolution's called? I can't remember. Upsigan? Yeah, yeah. That I think it was in that Pokedex entry or the description where they're saying like experts actually now think that this was the law, the, the original yeah like evolution, like the original line of. And I'm like, you know, that's a cool bit of world building. Yeah. Like, hey, we never knew this region existed, but these this is actually the original line of this species. And well, I, I love stuff like that. It, it, that's it, actually kind of neat. It is, yeah, right? In, yeah. in a way, because it actually. Yeah, it kind of like mimics real world a, a bit as well, where it's sure. like you discover an offshoot of a species, and you're like, maybe the offshoot was like the 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 origin, and then what we always thought was the standard is the branch. You right, know? I stuff love like stuff that. like that. So that 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 actually could be kind of cool to discover in the game. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully stuff like that isn't all spoiled out before it comes out. Yeah, I, I mean, um, there's going to be way more Pokemon, so right. obviously you're not going to get all of it. But yeah, it's. It's something I appreciate, and I was alluding to earlier that this type of information on the website and that's in the Pokedex, I'm happy for fans who, like, eat this stuff up. Yeah. It's just, like, a lot of thought put into it in a nice element. But as you, you said, uh, about time to move on um, from Pokemon, as much as we enjoyed talking about Pokemon on the show, because it is, or was, I'm sorry, it was recently the 30th anniversary of the Game Boy, the yes, original. Indeed. That hurts to say. Yeah, so much. it does. Thirty years, nineteen eighty nine. Feels so old. Yeah, it's a long time ago. I didn't... Uh, where, where, where were you when Game Boy first came out? When I when I was in uh, Texas when it came out, but I didn't get it. What I like like NES, like SNES, and like Game Boy. I didn't get any of those when they launched. Yeah, like, like NES came out like when I was like way too young like i couldn't even like i was like mm-hmm. baby or something like 85 yeah like one year old or something like yeah but like well like yeah with the nes a lot of people think oh it came out in 85 it test market launched in 85 like in new york and maybe there was there's there's questionable yeah so if, like, if there yeah, was we're talking like in LA, 86 yeah it really didn't hit most of america till 86 but game boy that was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like eight, so, like I, I, I became cognizant of video games and like aware of an interest in them, like around eighty nine, ninety. Yeah, like that's when I was old enough. That's when I was like, oh, mm-hmm. video games, cool. These seem kind of cool. I want to check them out. And it, like SNES was being advertised, Game Boy was being advertised, and NES was like already there. It been, it seemed like, oh, it's been around forever. To like yeah. a little kid, it's like that's like ancient. You know, it's been forever. Mm-hmm. But Game Boy. 
Uh, it's very interesting, and I got a bunch of questions for you about some of your your experiences yeah. with the Game Boy over mm-hmm. the years. And uh, these come from some of our patrons. So thank you again for all the patron questions you submitted. Uh, our first one comes from Straw Hat Ninja. Nice. Greetings, allies. And glad to see Ash is back. The Game Boy was the first system I ever received, and I was blown away uh, when I got Super Mario Land with it. And even though it's not the greatest game, I had a great time. I'd like to know, what was your first Game Boy game? Uh, well, actually, I was lucky enough to get the Game Boy really close to its launch. I think it was oh, either nice. a birthday or a Christmas present for me or something, but I was very lucky. I remember my dad took me to the Babbage's. Oh, it was Babbage's back then <laughs> at, at the uh, Thousand Oaks Mall. And uh, the, so the Babbage's <laughs> where uh, we got the Game Boy, and I got, uh, of course, Tetris, because that was a pack in. Tetris, Super Mario Land, and I believe Alleyway. Yeah, I I love that game. Um, So those are my first three games, kind of a combination. I'm pretty sure I played Super Mario Land first, and then probably Tetris and Alleyway. Uh, But those are my first first Game Boy games. What about you, Simmons? It's it's pretty similar um, because yeah, I I was there when Game Boy first came out. I didn't have it at launch. Um, I have an interesting story because oh, I first got a Game Boy within the first year. Probably. Um, what had happened was is this, is, this is a weird story. So my mother was was babysitting, you know, a neighbor's kid. That neighbor knew about um, marketing, was in marketing promotional stuff, and said, hey, there's this this line of, of children's, like, uh, toys-ish and other stuff. Um, and they're like, you know, your son is young. You know, maybe you could go, he could go do it. Like, a couple of little photos for this. These, these toys or whatever for promotional materials and then get a bunch, you know, he get money from it. So I did that um, when I was a little kid. And and then I like, so what do you get with my, my first paycheck? So at the time, this is like, you know, 1990. And they're like, you give a kid a hundred bucks. And, and it's like, <laughs> and it's, which is a lot for, yeah. for a little kid in 1990. And like, well, I was like, oh, well, you could buy a lot of them. I'm like, I know exactly what I want. And it was a Game Boy. <laughs> nice. I knew exactly. Nice. And so, um, Yes, it was Tetris and Mario Land, um, and then because it was a little after launch, I, I was at a Kmart. <laughs> I went there like happy as you know, happy as it can be. Like you know, I have all this money, and I bought the Kid Icarus. Oh, oh, of myths yeah. and monsters. Of myths and monsters. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I pretended. I, I pretended I knew what it was uh-huh. <laughs> for forever. I just pretended I knew what I was doing in that game. I really nice. did. Um, and it's like I. I Basically, like like every Star Wars fan in 1999, I pretended that I really loved <laughs> this game, yeah. and then eventually reality <clears throat> set in, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. And, right. You know, well, it wasn't a particularly good game anyway. It, that's what I was yeah. getting at. Like, yeah. just, you know, just like some things weren't particularly a great movie. This was not a particularly a great game. Yeah. So I play ended up playing a lot more of of uh, Mario Land One, and I I kind of like Tetris, but I was kind of like, eh, you know, puzzle games. Really didn't do it for me. At, you know, same here. Yeah. For, for you know, now I look back and I, I, lo- I love Tetris, of course. Um, and I and I did play a lot of Tetris uh, with the Link Cable, the big giant. Yeah, you know. that was yeah. one of the few games. My mom got a Game Boy too, and oh, that was nice. one of the few games my mom would play with me. Like at the yes, big Link exactly. Cable, exactly. It was Tetris. the only game on the yeah. Game Boy that my mom cared about. Was and Doctor Mario, she would play Doctor Mario with me. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like yeah, Mario Land was kind of the big one for me at the start. It was probably the first game I played. Um, I think it's actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, and we'll get into the other questions. I, I, like, I agree. They got yeah. they got 
they exponentially got better. <laughs> or at, well, least, at least from one to two and is for sure. I think what I liked about Super Mario Land, even back then, I kind of perceived it was that it felt almost like a weird, like you're having a weird dream about Super, about <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, like the original. Because yeah. it's like, it's it's familiar, but it's everything is slightly off. Like you jump yeah. on a, on, it's not even, there are not even Koopas in yeah. there, but you jump on a turtle and it explodes and you take damage. Yeah. And it's like, what? wait a minute, what is this about? And then you like you get a flower and you're like, oh, fireballs. No, nope. what is this? I can only have one on the screen and it's a Super Bowl. Like, I just, I love that it it, everything was slightly, you know, off center. And that was a cool experience. The vehicles, like yeah. the submarine, airplane. Yeah, right. it was very different. Yeah. You could collect coins with the Super Bowl too. Yeah. Right. Which was interesting in a way as well. Concept, so. They would come back when you get like Koopa shells and stuff. Yeah. And, and like, and, and we haven't seen, I don't know if we ever saw the return of like a, 2D shooter type Mario stage until Super Mario Maker necessarily, right? Oh, which is really interesting because you know when you when you go fight that second boss and then Tatanga at the end, it's like it's a full on shooter. Yeah, you don't need to know any platforming. It's really a weird game, but I liked it. You know, I'm trying to think of any other. Yeah, it, I feel it, like it, it was might Mario have been, Maker, but like yeah, that it it was different, definitely yeah. typical, and right. wasn't seen very but, soon. But after at the that, same yeah. time, even though yeah, graphically it was very basic, um, even for the Game Boy. Um, it, it was a, cause I didn't really know about the links, even though the links came out around the same time. Oh yeah. Um, reality was, is like, I did not know you could cram a game of that caliber or at least, you know, it's a full fledged video game with, like, I think it was like, uh, tw- 20 worlds or so, or eh, maybe 18, something like that. It was a lot of levels. Um, or eh, maybe not in that much. Maybe it was only 12 actually. Now that I think about it. But anyways, point was, is it was like, it was a console sized experience oh yeah on, on a little game boy cartridge on a little you know little brick boy so to me it was kind of to me it was it was a revolution uh, mm. at the time yeah because i was like whoa like because i i was ex- my experience with tiger electronics and oh yeah totally you know leading up to the game boy so the game boy to me was was a a cadillac or rolls royce of of portable gaming, you know, not knowing that the Lynx actually launched around the stem. And then later the Game Gear came out, and that's like, okay, well, that's a Lamborghini, you know? Well, that, that was barely even a handheld, because you had to basically play that thing connected to the, to an all-wall outlet, because they would chew through six yeah. double A's or something <laughs> yeah. in two hours. I will say one of my favorite examples of a Game Boy game that felt like a massive console size release, and it's a brilliant game, is Donkey Kong 94. That game felt like it just went on forever, but in a good way. Not that it, like, it felt like a slog, but that you just kept chasing Donkey Kong through yeah. all these increasingly that dramatic game, environments. That game tricked me because I thought it was just another one of those like right. half, you know, half-hearted uh, arcade attempts. Like, you know, oh, it's like a little Space Invaders right. centipede thing that they just kind of throw on the Game Boy. I'm like, okay, yeah, here we go. You know, 25, 50 millimeter, or 50 meter, 75. And then all of a sudden... Like Donkey Kong runs away, it's and you're so like, good. "Wait, what?" There's like this world map, and you're like, "Excuse yeah. me." <laughs> and then you also saw the, the debut of what Mario wouldn't do yet again until Mario 64. You saw those the backflips and the handstands. Yep. Like you didn't get that again until yeah. 3D context, which is pretty cool. It's pretty, yeah, yeah, definitely. Revere is one of the best games on that system. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, as you said, like even the Mario games improved over time. But uh, our next question, uh, I want to talk about some. Uh, Next question about some like underrated gems in the mm-hmm. series, uh, not the series on the Game Boy. I apologize, uh, Joe Halaska. Hey, allies! Whenever the Game Boy comes up, people inevitably mention the heavy hitters like Donkey Kong '94, <laughs> Link's Awakening, <clears throat> Pokemon, Super Mario Land One and Two, Wario Land, etc. What game or games do you fondly remember as underappreciated gems in the Game Boy li- library? Love and respect. 
I don't know if I can say for sure that they were underappreciated because I, I wasn't as tuned in to what other people were playing back then, of course. I was That's a, a good kid, point. Like six yeah, years old. I was a kid, yeah, yeah. But I have a lot of fond memories of playing Konami's, rest in peace, Konami's various uh, various license titles. Like, they made some really good games based on the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Tiny Toon. I cannot believe you said that. That was exactly what really? I was going to oh, go Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. my favorite. I'm is... like, no, don't say Tiny Toons. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> well, then, then I'll focus on Turtles. No, no, no go because... for it. Go for it. I do want to hear what you have to say about it. Okay. Well, I will say that but my most vivid memories, I'm a huge Ninja Turtles fan. Uh, for those of you who know my dad, who my dad is, that has nothing to do with that. I actually like Ninja Turtles separately. But uh, I will say that the second game, I will actually, I played the first two games probably a hundred times as a kid. Like, Follow the Foot Clan was the first game. Rough around the edges, not great. It was fine. It wasn't bad, not great. But then you get back from the sewers. Mm-hmm. And that game <laughs> was bad. <laughs> Ass and it had a fantastic soundtrack and it, oh, it yeah. felt like a legit TMNT side scrolling beat em up that you would play on NES. And I love that game to death. And then you got, uh, what is it, uh, the TMNT 3, was it like Mutant Radical Rescue? Rescue. Radical Rescue. Yeah. <laughs> and it was an interesting take on it. It was almost like a Metroidvania type. Or uh, like a take on Ninja Turtles, yeah. which is really interesting. Super weird, because you had to start as Michelangelo, and you had to like, right. find the other turtles. Yeah, Right, and I would so say all three of those games were perhaps underrated. I don't know for sure, or, or underappreciated, I would say. But the second game in particular, I think, is one of the best platformers slash beat-em-ups in the, in the entire system. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was part two. Part two back from the sewers was like, wow. They, yeah, they really yeah. The, uh, yeah. Exactly like I said. I had we had Fall of the Foot Clan because it was early on, and you're like, yeah, this is okay. It's not bad. Yeah. It actually had giant character sprites for the Game Boy right. at the time, which oh, was a gosh, little they weird. Were huge, yeah. yeah. Um, but whatever, it was Ninja Turtles at the time. You didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what was cool about Fall of the Foot Clan was that it it was uh, it reproduced the '80s cartoon art really accurately. It felt like really, it came yeah. straight from the cartoon. Yeah. While Turtles and or sorry, back from the sewers and Radical Rescue kind of did their own thing, which yeah. is cool too. Um, but I just I love all three of those games. However, those are my most vivid memories of like you know Konami licensed games. So I'll let you take a point on Tiny Toons. Yeah. I play that on NES a lot as well. So yeah, um, and they're different. That's right. the thing. Very it's different. Like, people probably see that oh Tiny Toons Adventures. Oh, it's just like I remember the NES game. Okay, so the the Game Boy one, the first one was Babs Big Break. It's completely right, that's what it was called. it's a completely different game. Yeah. Um, it had a really unique. It's it's somewhat early in the line. It was about two years after the system was out. Um, but it had like this thing where you could press pause and switch characters on the fly, and the characters each had right. like a, a, a fruit based uh, like Buster would throw carrots. You know, Plucky would have these pineapples which would bounce and ping like the Super Bowl. And then Hampton would roll watermelons, and they were like you know they would just go along the ground. So like in Buster was like an arcing thing, so all three characters had a different, um, like type of weapon or whatever. That would kind of not a little bit of a change, but it was like the fact that it would, it would do it on the fly, like it's like real time weapon changing, you know, or whatever. But the it was pretty good. It wasn't super long, but again, graphics for the time. Yeah, Konami was pushing that system harder than anyone besides Nintendo, like Nintendo, of course, and then like Konami was really pushing what what it could do. Um, and the music was was actually good in all those games. Um, not just hey, it plays the Tiny Toons theme, but it, like it also plays like the original level music's really good too, and stuff like that. And um, there's a little bit of um, it wasn't just go left to right in the first one. It was like uh, you had you would go through a sort of a maze like level. You had to find 
uh, certain other characters like Dizzy Devil, you know, Fifi LaFume, Furball, and uh, I know way too much about Tiny Toons. Oh, I, me too, man. I hear you. I Shirley love those Loon, Warner Brothers cartoons. Stuff yeah. like that. Um, Arnold the Pitbull, Foulmouth, yeah. all those guys. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's a reason you brought those two up. Um. Oh, wow. You know, it's funny. I actually didn't even think about that. That's funny. I guess I'm just so used to it. Specifically yeah. those yeah, two. Yeah, that's so funny. I didn't even... Well, Furball was that too. I yeah. didn't say him, but you already had, so yeah. That's funny. Well, well that was... Well, okay, so I'm going to jump interject there. He's normal Frank Welker, except uh, in the Star Trek episode, which is the only episode he has speaking lines in, in which switched over right, voices. So, right. Yeah, I know a lot about Tiny Toons. No, it's great. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah, the second one was Montana Max's Revenge, right. or, or, or is it, is that or Montana's Movie, I think it was Montana's Movie Madness, um, which is a very different game, completely different. Like, I think I like remember m- that. Diff- more different from Mario 1 to 2, even. Um, it is very bizarre. Like, it actually took a while to sort of wrap my head around because, like, the mechanics were really different. You had this weird thing where you would press down and forward and Buster would do a dash and stuff like that, and, like, the levels would change up, and they're all, like, different movies. And, again, the graphics on that one were really pushing the system a lot harder than, than other games were um, at the time. So, yeah, those are one. Like, I, I'll just say, like, as far as other underrated, there was an early game that Nintendo made called Solar Striker which was a vertical shooter, and it's kind of one of the only... It's very early in the system's life, but it's one of the only times Nintendo ever tackled that genre. And it actually wasn't bad. It was was pretty decent, and it was a very early title, but uh, we had it, and I I enjoyed it a lot um, just because it it was faster. It it flowed like Nintendo programmers. They knowing their own hardware a little better, so it it actually kind of played a little better than a lot of similar games of, of that type. That early on in the Game Boy, people were just like, it was just slow down city, you know what I mean? So. Right. You know, another game I just thought about that I loved as a kid was uh, as Balloon Kid. Uh, mm, like yeah. the, the only like adventure based, you know, prog- stage progress based balloon fighter game. And what was actually really cool about it, not only was it a fun game, really hard when you were a kid, but a fun game, but it was actually, one, I think, one of the earliest examples, other than like Metroid, where you play as a, you know, like a female character. Now, of course, this one's like a little girl, but she's an older sister going to save her little brother. And that was way before that was in vogue, which it should have always been. But it was like a really early example of playing as a female character going to save her yeah. little male character brother, which I thought was really cool. I think even at the time, I thought that was kind of kind of neat. And the game itself was a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> one more thing I do want to shout out, and any Game Explained fans watching will not be surprised. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> everybody knows Mega Man 5 on Game Boy is fantastic. You got the Star Droids. It's like an original NES game almost. Really, there's a lot of content. It's long. But I feel like because the other games more, like they mirror the NES releases more and having the same robot masters and stuff, they're a little more overlooked. And I, I actually think Mega Man 3 and 4 are both really underappreciated. And 4 especially is huh. phenomenal. And like you were saying, yeah. Konami was pushing the Game Boy. So is Capcom. Yeah, like with, Star, yeah. with Gargoyle's Quest early that too. on. Um, but like I think maybe the reason Mega Man's kind of get a worse rap is because of Mega Man 1 and 2 on the Game Boy. See, I thought 1 was actually a pretty okay, yeah, but 2 but was just, yeah, like that was outsourced to Minakuchi yeah, Engineering. Yeah, it was down, and, so and it's a, I think a lot of people kind of got the wrong impression. Yeah. Because, you know, Mega Man 1, especially 2, because Mega Man 2 is like, the, you know, one of the best NES games. Mm-hmm. So anyone who got Mega Man 2 for Game Boy got such a lesser version of Mega Man 2 that I think uh. it probably hurt it in the end. I'm sure it did. But what's so interesting is that you see that jump from Mega Man 2 to 3. Now, of course, again, 2 is outsourced. It didn't look or feel like a Mega Man right. game at all. Yeah. But then you go from 2 to 3, and suddenly Capcom is firing on all cylinders. It feels like an NES game. The music very, very closely emulates the NES soundtracks. Like, 
it's really good. So it's such a shame that like two sully the Game Boy series, you know, name because three, four, and five are all phenomenal games. And but again, yeah. everybody knows by now that five is great. But three and four, I think people should be, pay more attention to. Good points there. Uh, you mentioned uh, Gargoyles Quest. Oh yeah, that's one of that's the one I'd bring up. I play that a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know how don't know how I got it. Is someone bought it for me, my mom or dad or uh, something? And I was just like, "Well, this game looks so cool," and just played it a lot as a kid. I don't think I got very far in it ever, but I mm-hmm. loved replaying that first level <laughs> over and over again. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get to play that game much as a kid. That was a big no-no in my household. So, oh really? Something that looked like that. Oh, like... fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say uh, another one. Then this is something that even my Game Explain buddies didn't know. Um, I played a lot of Wave Race on the Game yeah, Boy. Wave oh, Wave yeah, Wave Race. Wave Race actually had its genesis on the Game Boy. Yes, Not a lot did. of people know that. Yes, and I played a lot of that top-down racer, and I had a lot of fun with it. So I, I, I bring that up sometimes, and a lot of people are like, wait, no, Wave Race 64 is the first one. No. I'm like, no, it really wasn't. Go and do your research. I promise it wasn't. <laughs> and I had that game, yeah. and I really liked it. I, yeah, I never played it as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, after Wave Race 64 came out, I was like, oh, these articles in Nintendo Power, like, oh, there was a Wave Race. Like, oh, oh, there was another one. No, let me. I got older, even older. It's like, now I can buy my own games. Oh, I'm going to go check out this. But right. yeah, that's I think that's a factoid people just do not realize. One, yeah. one game, I don't even remember the name, but I saw a lot of it. It was like a motocross game, motor, I don't remember. But it was like a game where like, it was kind of almost like Trials HD, almost oh, interesting. For, for Game Boy, because you you could they would have like loops where the, it was like a very stick figurey looking motocross guy on a motorcycle, and he would actually go full loop de loops and stuff early on. Oh, I feel um, like I've seen those. Interesting. It, it, it was one I saw a lot from family and friends, and I never actually personally owned the game. Um, another game, I don't know if it was, it wasn't really, honestly, it wasn't very good, but like everyone had it was the F1 game that came with the four player link box. I remember the original Game Boy. Yeah. Dude, it was like me and like everyone at school. It was funny because the game, it was an F1 game. I think it was Nintendo published and it's, it's, it's only okay. But it came with this this box that allowed you to connect up to four players and play an F1 racing game. But the cool. thing was everyone had the box and then the four player hub, but nobody had the separate link cables. So it basically ended up with you'd have like a group of, you know, friends of uh, three or four and everyone would have the, the, the hub box Mm-hmm. And no one would actually have, you know, the mail-to-mail cables. It's almost like a pro, it. like a proto Four Swords Adventures where you have oh, to yeah. get all that all yeah. that equipment together. It's a great time if you can do it. Yeah, but it's so much to get together. I do have to ask you guys. I, I did think of one other game that I played a lot during my childhood. I don't know if it's technically underrated, but I liked it. And it's called Bubble Ghost. Did either I'm of you play not that? Familiar uh, with just, that one. just very briefly. Or, okay. I, know, I know exactly. I know. It I know was a about cool it. game, actually. Like huh. you, you play as this this ghost who has to blow a bubble through this mansion filled with traps designed to pop bubbles. Oh. And and it's like it's okay. it's a difficult game because you have to just blow the bubble very slightly. And uh. even if, if if one pixel touches one of the many traps, it pops. <laughs> it's like an adventure and, puzzle game. Okay. Yeah, that's a good way to uh, put which, it. Which reminds me, a uh, big one that's really good: uh, Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle Two. Oh yeah, I played that. Really yeah. good. Yep. That one's really good too. So there's so many great. So, gems yeah, there the there Boy. are definitely a lot. I mean, had a long run. You know, definitely yeah. a lot of games out there. It was just the king for the longest time. Yeah. I mean, some are you still a king? Uh, I got a, I got a few more questions regarding the Game Boy. Um, next one comes from AJ. By the way, that was really good stuff. Like, I just want to say, like, I oh. I. I for some reason, Game Boy is the hardest for me to remember stuff for whatever reason, despite like owning one and stuff. It's basically for me, uh, Link's Awakening and but like a bunch of like yeah, Super Mario Land, you know, yeah, six golden sure. coins, like stuff like that. Ninja Turtles, like early on, and then like 
for me, it's like a blank for a few years. I think I just like, fell so hard into Super Nintendo and 64, I stopped caring about Game Boy. But anyway, our next patron question from AJ. With Game Boy's 30th anniversary being celebrated and with Link's Awakening Remake coming out next month, I present this question to you. What other Game Boy games do you want to see either remade or have a sequel come out for the Switch? Thanks for all the great content you do here at Easy Allies. It keeps me entertained on my long commutes to my job as a teacher. Love and respect. First off, I just want to say I am impossibly hyped for Link's Awakening. That's all. I know it's not the question. I just wanted to say that. Um, this mm, this is kind of like a like a adjacent answer, but I really have been wanting there to be a Super Mario Land 2 theme in mm. Super Mario Maker. Oh, yes. yes, yes, um, yes because yes, I want yes, the bunny yes, ears, yes, the carrot yes. power-ups. So it's not quite the, the answer, probably. But, yes. but um, yeah, that for sure. I think um, that counts. I think, honestly, I do think a remake, like an expanded remake <clears throat> of Six Golden Coins with those mechanics, those very specific kind of off-kilter Super Mario World yeah. mechanics and with the bunny ears. Like, I'd love to see that weirdness come yes. back. Uh, plus, you know, again, that, that game, especially for a Game Boy game, that game used settings that we haven't seen. It was they were really creative. Like you had the more normal stuff, like a haunted mansion, but then you had a giant Mario machine that you were gonna, you had to fight your way up, and like a treetop area. Like it had really interesting <sighs> settings for a for a two D Mario game on the Game Boy, and I want to see, I'd like to see that reimagined. Like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm 100 percent with cool. you with this. I, I think a lot of people are with you on this. For yeah, sure, definitely. You know, honestly, from like the, the early '90s. It really felt like the Game Boy had the the really some really creative um, versions of mm-hmm. you know Mario Land alone one already had some weirdness to it. Mario Land two, lots of really great stuff never really seen again. Link's Awakening did a lot of really interesting things that even Anuma said that you know like it it shaped the future of the franchise you know with the stuff like they. There's a weirdness, or I don't know, it's not a weirdness, but there's there's a there's a wonderful sort of creativity that seemed to happen with Nintendo at the start of the Game Boy, where they just did if they thought it up, they they just did it to see if they could make it happen. Like right. like Tezuko talked about, like, oh, did you ever ask about you know using Mario characters in in Link's Awakening? He's like, well, I just figured it was a Game Boy, I'll just do it anyways, and he was just like, I'll just do it, whatever. Yeah. I just had the idea, so I just threw it in there. I didn't think about it, and I'm like, there's. I don't know. There, there's something about the, the sort of entrepreneurial spirit of those early Game Boy titles that were, that were really great, and I just want to throw that in there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it, you know if a couple of years ago we probably all probably would have said Metroid Two. Uh, of course, we yeah. had that remake, yeah, now, and it was a very yeah. <laughs> it was a very I would say loose adaptation of Metroid Two. It wasn't a beat for beat remake, but it was still it was great. Um, I will say that I would love, and I don't ever expect this to happen, but I would love to see. Nintendo take a shot at remaking the first two Kid Icarus games, including of Myths and Monsters, mm. with modern pit, with modern game mechanics, and make the games fun. Uh, and I say that because, you know, it's funny, the Game Boy, all these years later, would be followed up by the 3DS, which, in my opinion, had Kid Icarus Uprising, one of the greatest games of all time. So, you know, try to match that. Let's, let's, let's take pit, you know, uh, keep trying to keep them relevant, not just in Smash Brothers, and make those first two games... Or even combine them. You can combine both games into one longer game because they're both of them are pretty short. Yeah. yeah. But I want to see Pitt in his own game again. And I think if they could, if they could do like like make those games kind of similarly thematic as Uprising, 
they could have a lot of fun playing with these characters, Palutena, Medusa, you know, maybe even get a glimpse of Hades before he becomes the big bad in Uprising. I just think there's so much they could play with in that world because Uprising was brilliant, and I just want to see more Kid Icarus. Yeah, stuff. how much they lean on Pitt, not just like with Sakurai taking his crack with uh, Kid Icarus on 3DS, but also like in the Smash Brothers universe. Yeah. Kid is a, a prominent figurehead in that, in the marketing and the videos and stuff. Right. Pushed hard. It's very interesting that you haven't tried to revisit. I just uh, wish they would. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's and something I feel, that yeah. seems like kind of perfect. And, and it's yeah. almost like almost a blank slate opportunity because, you know, I don't think they have any reason to like try to adhere to the yeah. template set by Of Myths and Monsters because it wasn't very good. So, you know, use that, use the very, you know, the, the basis of the story, whatever, but then just make a completely new game on top of it. Yeah. And I just think that would be really interesting. Almost like they did with Metroid Samus Returns, because in a way, you can argue that that's almost a new game. Yeah, the main beats are there. The, the boss fights with all the, like, the 40 different Metroids and the, the evolutions and the Queen Metroid and the, you know, the story. All the beats are the same, but how you get there it was very heavily reimagined. Yes. And I would love to see that same concept applied to Kid Icarus 1 and 2. I'm, I'm with you. I'm on board with that. Nice. And I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised they haven't done that yet. Yeah. But, you know... That's Nintendo. They do what they want to do. Well, excuse me, people suck and didn't buy Kid Icarus Uprising and didn't buy Okami. That too, but... Every one of you who didn't buy those two games, we can't be friends. I'm sorry. Well, we I can't. heard it gave people carpal tunnel, so I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting they didn't go back to it. Um, also, yeah, the Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, like, that feels like one of the most obvious and perfect ones for them to do as well. Right. Um, and one surprised me if that came up at some point. Hey, you know, we're doing it again. We're remaking it. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. And it even had secret exits and stuff. Like, all the yeah. stuff you'd gotten used to in Super Mario <laughs> World, they had, like, yeah. all that stuff in his little Game Boy game. It was, it was so good. So, yeah. It's this exceptional game. Um, I am curious, though, uh, and so is one of our patrons, because there were rumors of this. Uh, earlier on, I think they started last year, um, and this comes from uh, Stephen Faulkner. Do you think we're ever going to see a Game Boy Classic released? Because there were those rumors about, oh, right. it was patented, <clears throat> they did this Game Boy case stuff, and then nothing came of it. And they're kind of closing sentiments after the SNES Classic kind of closed out its run was that, and games started to become available, the NES service, mm-hmm. on, on Switch, I mean. Uh, the NES service came online with the launch of their online service. It feels like they kind of have transitioned to, okay, we might be done with classic systems, despite new ones coming out. We got, you know, Genesis right. Mini coming out. We, you know, we still have more coming out. But do you think Game Boy, sorry, a Game Boy Classic is still in the cards? Uh, no. Yeah. I, 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 I thought, <clears throat> I thought, I had a, one time I thought, okay, this is probably what's going to happen. Um, I thought yeah, they probably won't go for N64 just because of having to mass produce those controllers again. That would be expensive. Whereas like a Game Boy, you you, you could probably make a cheap, portable little backlit Game Boy, and it'd probably be easier. I thought for a while it was, you know, that was maybe going to happen. I think this was the year to do it if they were going to do it, but they're, they're, looks like they're not anyways. Um, and I think the only re- and the only reason the NES Mini existed was because Nintendo needed something before the Switch came out. And mm-hmm. I think the, the SNES one was sort of just like, well, that was really successful. Let's just keep it going for a little bit longer. But I think for those mini consoles, they they purely only exist because the Wii U had tanked so bad um, and it was so dead and they needed something, you know, in their holiday season to fill a void before because Paper Mario Color Splash was not going to do it. <laughs> um, so they, they, they only existed as a means for Nintendo to get some money that the, the year the NES came out. And then SNES was more of just like a bonus the following year. Um, 
But I, as far as I think Nintendo's concerned, I think they're done with the minis because they have the Switch. Um, and in their mind, it's like a way to offer value to their online service. Because if you look at the investor meetings, they're always constantly asking about, you know, what are you going to do to, you know, to, to add to the, the online service? What are you doing about it? something that investors seem to heavily care about? And Nintendo being so gun shy about online, um, it seems like for them, it's like, ah, oh, we, you know, they don't want to commit to like a massive online infrastructure, but an easy thing to do is just to throw these NES titles, SNES titles on their, their, their online service for the switch. So I think for them, they look at it as like, there's no real monetary need for them to make one. And they probably might even think that might cannibalize sales a little bit, even though I don't think it would. Um, I think if you had like a $60, $70 and like Game Boy Classic, I don't think it would, I really don't think it would do much as far as Switch goes. But for them, it's like, well, we would want to use it instead for a reason for people to buy into our online service. That's the way I think they're going to be, they're, they're looking at it mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. So I think the NES and SNES were just means to an ends for them. And that means is over. So I don't think that we're going to see a classic for that reason. It's a very cynical corporatist <laughs> reasoning there, but that's what I think. <laughs> I half agree with everything you said. <clears throat> I do think the ship is sailing a Game Boy Classic. Uh, we actually had a great discussion about this at Game Explain. And back then I said, I think we all mostly agreed that a Game Boy Classic we thought was going to happen. But then, you know, I agree if it was going to happen, it needed to be this year. And the more I thought about it, the concept of it, I'm just like, okay, well... It needs to be a handheld to to mirror the original Game Boy, but who's going to want to lug a giant brick around with them these days? And it also has to have an HDMI out to play your Game Boy games in the TV. But I just I just feel like those two concepts don't merge very well, and I almost feel like what would they actually do with it? Because again, the NES and SNES Classic are one thing; is they're at home and they're an HDMI. Yeah. Who's going to take a giant brick with them on the road these days? Because you have a switch, you have your phone, you know. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I am actually looking at the rest of it in the opposite way, which is I do think we're going to get an N64 classic. I actually think that's oh. happening still. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. I just kind of feel like it's going to happen, and I see it the opposite way, which is, yeah, Nintendo could sell virtual console games for five bucks a pop, you know, eight bucks a pop, or they could sell a collection of games for eighty bucks a pop. And, th- and we know that the NES and SNES classics sold gangbusters. And so selling out at 80, 60 bucks a pop probably looks a little more attractive to them than just selling the same games at five or less a pop, depending on what how they price them. So I feel like there actually is a vested interest in, in them kind of, I wish they wouldn't do this, but keeping their retro games on separate platforms mostly, just because if they don't, that would cannibalize sales of the classic line if it continues. But if it doesn't, like you're saying, yeah. they don't have to worry about that. But I just feel like there is a vested interest in them charging as much as they can over and over again for these games. And, you know, you, you throw 30 games onto a little, you know, machine. Uh, I'll, and... I'll say the only reason they won't make an N64 mm-hmm. is because Japan is, or I'm sorry, Nintendo is so Japan-focused, mm-hmm. and that system did so poorly over there. It's true. That in yeah. their minds, they're, they're not even going to look at the fact that it, that GoldenEye and, and, and you know, right. Ocarina, the numbers they pulled in North America were so huge. They, they, they might not even notice that. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, that system was terrible, and nobody mm-hmm. liked it over here, so they'll just kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. In a weird sort of way. Um, yeah. Especially because, you know, man, Rare really helped out that system. It's like, I would, oh, really, sure. I would really like an N64 Classic. Um, I would really like there to be new N64 controllers in particular because those things snap and break and <laughs> they get dirty. And like, yeah, but it's just like, I, 
I could just see a world where it's like, why didn't that ever happen? Be just because a, a, a very simple oh, it never crossed their minds because it was such a dud in Japan. Like it was, I don't know if people know this. Like it was third place in Japan behind oh, the Saturn. Oh yeah, no, no, it, it did not do well in Japan. <laughs> it was and just distant thirds. And oh. here, you know, here's the other thing: if they do commit to a Game Boy Classic, that that kind of is weird because then then where do you go? Then they kind of have to commit to a Game Boy Advance Classic, and then a maybe eventually a DS classic. And I just don't feel, I mean, we're not, you know, that doesn't make yeah. sense to me. None of that makes sense to me. So I do think that they're going to askew their handheld line. I do personally believe we may see an N64 classic, but you bring up good points. Uh, but I do think the ship has completely sailed I on feel, a Game Boy classic. Yeah. Uh, I feel like when it comes to N64, like I, I, it would not surprise me. They def- there's definitely been rumors about it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a possibility. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure I think, But happen. I think you start entering territory where it gets a little bit more complex, just like Game Boy Classic presents some logistical issues. Um, also, some strategic decisions. Like Game Boy, as you said, Classic would be a competitor with Switch because it's competing for your portable space like to take with you but at the same time and n64 also starts to approach a territory where they are mostly 3d games and it's ripe for remake territory it's ripe for being repurposed um which you see a lot of companies being more interested in doing rather than right. just like releasing the classic version let's remake it re-release it and package it for 60 bucks i mean that's and, the thing yeah, yeah. like I, I played the original version of ocarina of time and majora's mask a billion times they're they're classics they're incredible games but I would, you know, other, rather than playing those versions again on a classic, they literally could just throw up the 3DS versions, up-res them to 720p, yep. don't change anything <laughs> else, maybe give the texture to slight, but they, honestly, just throw it on the Switch. So wonderful. That's all I need. It? <laughs> they don't have to make it 1080p. They don't have yeah. to make it, they don't have to do a whole lot. I just, I'm okay. I don't need crazy visuals. Just give me the 3DS versions that I can uh, play on a TV, please. I just want, yeah, I know a lot of people want this. Yeah. It seems so obvious. I wish they'd do it. Um, but getting back to Game Boy real quick. So uh, it seems we don't really feel like a Game Boy Classic is in, in the works or something that we're really going to do. But our last question uh, from Morgan Mahala, actually, um, the simple version of their question is, rather than maybe a Game Boy Classic, do you think that Game Boy games, will, uh, their original versions, will ever come to like the Switch to be available? Um, you know, they should. They <laughs> were available on the 3DS through the eShop, but will you know we've only gotten NES games and then some standalone purchases uh, through the Nintendo Shop uh, eShop on uh, the Switch. But do you think Game Boy games will ever make an appearance on the Switch in any form? What's funny about this is that I, we, I answered a similar question in a recent discussion, and I. what's funny is if you break it all down completely, the Switch technically is a successor to the Game Boy. It is the furthest in the gifts. It's a handheld. It's also a console, but it can also be seen as a successor to the Game Boy. So it makes sense. Yeah. And again, Game Boy games are on the 3DS, and you know the Switch Mini is positioned to replace that line. Yeah. And so... I mean, I almost say, why wouldn't they? It makes no sense for them to, but this is Nintendo. So they do things that make no sense all the time. And I just, but it seems like such a slam dunk. It is a handheld, and they could even market it that way. Like, hey, Game Boy 30th anniversary anniversary classics, and you can play them on your new handheld Switch, you know, and relive those memories. There are so many cool marketing angles they could take with this. But again, this is Nintendo, and they don't always do things that seem obvious. For sure. Yeah. I mean, how long has it been since supposed that people data mine SNES games are supposed to be coming to Switch, yeah. and we still haven't had any yeah. word on that? So, you know, you it, never it, know with Nintendo. It's perplexing. Um, the only thing I can think of that might make them not want to do it right away is that, like, and I've pointed this out many times, like on the 3DS eShop, you can go by Link's Awakening for 6 bucks. 
And here comes Link's Awakenings remake, which for the most part, besides Dompe, seems to be identical content-wise, and it's sixty dollars. So it's like it's a ten times the difference. So it's almost like maybe they're looking. Maybe the reason they ha we haven't is that they're going to look at see how Link's Awakening does, and then they'll decide should we remake other games, you know, as full-fledged remakes. Should we upport San, uh, Metroid Two? Maybe you know, I don't know if that'll happen, but like just something like that, where it's like maybe they don't want to put the old games on there because maybe they want to like do remakes and you know resell them in a different light. I don't know. Um, it's it's so trying. It, it's it's so hard and confusing trying to figure out what what goes through their head on this stuff sometimes because yeah. it's like there's there's <clears throat> almost nothing stopping them from doing. There really isn't anything stopping them from putting DK ninety four, you know, like Mario Land oh, yeah. two and like nothing stopping them. Um, and and people and yes, I would buy it. Now, I would plop down the five, six yeah. bucks. I mean, they put it on the Switch today. I, I downloaded it at home tonight. In a second. Thing. Yeah. So. I do wonder if maybe there's a fear of them cannibalizing their own library with the, with the idea that, oh, you know, our older audience, our more hardcore audience who've been here since the NES and Game Boy, we don't want them to get pulled back into playing the classics instead of paying $60 for Astral Chain for Link's Wake oh, remake. For, yeah. You know, one, I just wonder if, you know, people like us may fall back into just playing the classics too much more that than they would want us to. That kind of happened a bit with 3DS cuz <laughs> yeah. I got to a point where like if I'm at the airport, I just I just booted up Tetris and DK94 and Link's Awakening. Mm -hmm. And I just played those three games. I had all these other games, all the other cuz I was part of that ambassador cuz yeah, I was one of those people who bought it at launch and yeah. I had to get the Gosh, 20 free man, game. I remember that. So like yeah. I had all these Game Boy Advance games that I actually kind of only cursor, you know, played at a glance. And then I ended up playing Tetris a lot, like just old yeah. Tetris and old DK. But I still, you know, so maybe maybe there's some merit to that, honestly. Like, Yeah, I mean, possibly. Or also, we don't know the sales numbers for 3DS Virtual Console uh, on Game Boy. Like, maybe they sold poorly. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe. It's not worth the effort. That, yeah. That's also the yeah. com a completely valid in the other direction, you know, right. maybe it's just like, well, nobody bought them, so. It does seem as though the Virtual Console as a, as a concept and as a, just as a, a service has really been uh, not a non-factor, but it, it's really fallen a lot since the Wii. Like even even just from the Wii was it was great, but then as soon as they did it again on the Wii U, which had its own problems, of course, and the 3DS, it, it felt like the luster had already worn off, and they they implemented it in a, in a more poor in a poorer fashion. Because you know on Wii, you got these weekly drops of games you actually wanted. Uh, of uh, on across so many different consoles, even stuff like Turbo Graphics 16, like that's Rondo awesome. of Blood. <laughs> yeah, like you got yeah. stuff you actually wanted. Then you got to the Wii U, and Nintendo would drip feed you like you know, <laughs> Urban Champion and Balloon Fight, which you know Balloon Fight's a good game, but I'm just saying like or Ice Climber, like they would just drip feed these games that you don't you you don't really want. Like it it still kills me to this day that on Wii U it took us more than a year for them to port a link to the past. It took them more than a year to get one of the most important games of all time. Yeah, their scheduling their on that was Remember a little was strange. Like, there was like one or two of the of the biggest games ever on when the Wii launched on day one. You could download like Mario sixty four, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, that's so. They, so ever since it was like weird. It was like that. Yeah, the, the they Wii did it right the yeah, first time, and then the Wii, like you said, the Wii was like a very slow, and then they just gone with the Switch. Right. So I don't, I don't even know what the what the rationale behind it even is. Maybe they're just like. Maybe it is because they wanted to sell the minis. Maybe because it was, the the Wii became what it was because um, they got rid of all that stuff from Animal Crossing. No more free NES games in Animal Crossing. We got to resell them on the Wii, and then it was just kind of like it just sort of like fell apart 
you know, year by year after that. So it's, it's just super bizarre to me. Um, and I don't know, I don't know. Cause with game, like original game boy, you have the thing where it's like, it doesn't even have color. It's, you know, it's monochrome. Like how good is that going to look on a switch? It probably looks fine, but maybe someone's thinking in their head somewhere at, you know, an NCL, like this won't look good on the switch screen. I don't know. Yeah. What if somebody looks over their shoulder and they see them playing this monochrome game, it's going to make yeah. them think not wanted or see, yeah, yeah, maybe like there's something silly like yeah. that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of weird possibilities. Like, like I've heard of I've heard of things getting canned or canceled or whatever for dumber reasons, um, so it's it's always that weird possibility that just someone has a weird feeling somewhere and they just have enough power and pull to just say let's not do that. And the thing is, there's already precedent for for Game Boy games being perfectly fine to play on a TV. We got we had the Super Game Boy back in the non HD days and the the Game Boy Player for the Game Boy Advance. Both of which were fantastic. I love playing Game Boy games on the TV. And then more recently, we saw an, an example of this on the Switch with Collection of Mana, where you play Final Fantasy Adventure. And I've been playing Collection of Mana. FF Adventure actually is another underrated gem, in my opinion, uh, that I've been, I was replaying on the TV with, with Collection of Mana. And I had a great time. It didn't matter to me that it was monochrome and super, you know, basic. Yeah, that's true. Care. That's a good point, because I did download Collection of Mana. Yeah, and FF Adventure on... holds up, whether you yeah. play it on Switch or on the TV. Or the translation, not so No, translation, no. But the like, game I, itself, I, did, yeah. I actually didn't play that back in the day, so I it was didn't. my first time playing it. Nice. So I'm like, graphics are not going to bother me. I'm like, wow, yeah. this is not like... And I'm sitting there thinking, like, Link's Awakening, you know, one of the, the greatest game ever made, and then I'm like, like, you know, Final Fantasy Adventure, I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, it clearly did not have as much love put into its text in English as... <laughs> yeah, well, that was also kind of the, the, the dark ages of localization. And, oh, yeah. yeah and, Extreme yeah. dark ages. Square was never very good at the, good at it anyway until later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, precisely so. Yeah. yeah. Playing that now is just kind of like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, th- I think Game Boy games, we've seen proof that they can work in a TV context, and it's just a matter of whether want, or Nintendo wants to do it or not. And so far, they seem to not want to. Yeah, I love my Game Boy Player and my GameCube. It was a, oh, yeah. it was a necessity for me at, at a point. Um, I, I will say, uh, regards to like the possibility, of, like the Nintendo remaking Game Boy games rather than just adding them to like the the Switch to buy yeah. individually like that. Um, yeah, I uh, I would love for them if they're gonna go that route to at least include the original versions in these remakes, like uh, Metroid Two: Return of Samus, Link's Awakening. That when at a certain point. You just have access to the original game in it. I, I, I yeah, I would like love that. that. I don't think that's gonna happen. No, it won't. Nah, but like, nah. I really wish. I, I see some games that do do that. Like uh, the Met. Uh, uh, I mean, not the original versions, but like when you know you see the Metal Gear HD collection come out. But oh yeah, you get access to the old games yeah. like the MSX. I'm like, that's awesome. I love and, that. And yeah. it's not Game Boy, but like, yeah, that would have been my one game I would have said for a remake is Ghost Babble. Oh, oh Game Boy Color, really good. Hey, yeah, that, that counts. Good one. It's that color. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, but I would say to me, I'm like, yeah, Ghost Babble to Pretty me cool. should be remade. I'd like to see. I mean, this is something that Capcom has no vested interest in doing, but I think it would be cool to see Mega Man Extreme One and Two remade. You know, like yeah. console style, or you know what? Like we have the Mega Man Legacy collections, like, but they've never. There was that one for a while. They had a thing called Mega Man Mania that was supposed to come out. That was oh, supposed yeah. to be a collection of one through five for the Game Boy. But it got canceled, got canceled, and it never came I out. That, yeah. I'd love to see that come to console, even if they don't remake them NES style, with color. Like, I think that would be cool. 
I think so. But no, too. they have no yeah, issues. There's had... no reason why they would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Very Wouldn't true. Extreme One and Two just be Mega Man X if you remade it? Well, in a way. it would be, but not they, t- they not remixed entirely. Yeah. Not and there entirely, were like new but... villains and stuff, even yeah. though they were kind of one note villains. But, it, you know, two was more different from one. Yeah. I will say that. And yeah. It's a really weird loss gem of a weird game that not a lot of yeah. people know about. Like, it is. Extreme Two. Two is much better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's those are some other games that just people don't know about. That yeah, been, I'm shocked they didn't end up on the collections. Yeah. They were on the 3DS Virtual Console at least. They ended yeah. up there, but yeah, interesting choice there. But uh, yeah, happy 30th anniversary, Game Boy. Indeed, still uh, happy 30th. A, still a powerhouse. Saying that hurts. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. Fun memories. We got one. Uh, moving on to our last segment here. Uh, this past weekend was Evo 2019. And uh, both of you were there in yeah. attendance. Yes. So I want to start there. How, how was your Evo 2019 experience? I had a great time. I will say that more and more, I love watching high-level fighting gameplay. I'm not, I'm not really good at fighting games other than Smash, uh, which I'm, you know, fairly intermediate, I would say. But, like, I love Street Fighter. I'm not very good at it, Tekken, all that. So the first, like, I'm more and more, I feel like the first two days, like, paying for that is becoming less relevant for me personally because I often will go alone, and I'm not the kind of guy, like, I'll have my GameCube controller on me, but I'm just not the kind of guy who feels comfortable going up to a random TV with, like, three people I don't know and saying, hey, can I join? You know, that's just not my style. But, like, my my friends, like, I love my friends, but they don't ever seem to want to travel anywhere or do anything like that. So they never want to go do stuff like Evo. So I never get to go with friends who, you know, I see everyone else there and they're with their friends. So it isn't as fun as a single, you know, like going there alone. Gotcha. Uh, now my wife was there with me, but she didn't go to the first two days because it didn't interest her. She likes the finals. So she was there with me at the finals. But it was fun and I think it's great for the right kind of Evo attendee. But I think if you're going alone, the first two days kind of lose their luster, at least for me. But that may not be the case for you. Um, yeah, was, you know, in a weird sort of way, like I, I agree and, and have a, but also have a very opposite view where it's not really, as Evo is now, um, as far as the spectator thing goes, eh, the first two days are not as much. Like, I will say this, like um, Soul Calibur Finals were on Friday, not even Saturday, but Friday night. And they're excellent, actually. They had a great top eight yeah. for Soul Calibur VI. Um, but it, it's 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 gotten to a point where it's it's pretty big now. There's a lot of people there. And it's in a big area. But um, I, 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 I don't know how you feel about this, but I really would like it if if they were able to separate all the artists and exhibits exhibitors into a separate hall yeah and then leave the other hall strictly for just tournament play gotcha. and I stuff agree. like that um and, and you, like free stations yeah like stuff. free stations yeah. can go in like the exhibitors hall like um because <clears throat> then you could just just keep the tournament pure to the tournaments so everyone who wants to watch tournament or needs to be in their tournaments can can be in one you know in their spot and then all the people who are just kind of there to buy you know cool little pokemon doodads and what have you and and art prints and stuff like that. They can they can go to the other hall. Like I, yeah. personally, that's how I I feel like. I'm because you know you you know me. Like I'm always thinking about how a convention can be run better. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's just it's just my nature. It's just like I'm always constantly thinking logistically about it. And I'm not saying Evo's bad at all. I'm just I'm just saying like yeah. You know, it, it got to a point where um, you know it it, it can get like. There's, like, choke points, you know, for checking in. And then, like, getting your badge is, like, you know, like a really big choke point and stuff like that and, and stuff like that. And then there's sort of, like, a, like a split between people who want to watch the stuff 
Um, and then people who are kind of just there to like buy stuff or just play casual matches and stuff like that. Right. And and I feel like it kind of be kind of neat for. I think it would benefit both sides to have it sort of split in okay. a way. Yeah. Um, just split split the rooms. Uh, but it's not the end of the world if it doesn't. It's, it's, it's fine if it doesn't happen that way, uh, as far as that goes. Um, because like grand finals are in a completely different area. And and one thing I will say is a lot of people when it's their first year, like recently, they actually get kind of bummed out because they find out that there is no more, there's no exhibitors, there's no artists on the last day. The last day is just in the big arena, right? Right. So that that exhibit hall, whatever, for the Evo takes place for the first two days, that is closed and gone. People going home. So a lot of times people are like, oh, I saw something really cool. I wanted to get you know, a custom controller or arcade stick or, or even an art print or whatever. And they, in Saturday night, I'll go get it tomorrow. You know, no, no, you won't. Like, yeah. because that's, it's gone. Gotcha. It, like, it's okay. just, it's only a two-day, for, for people who are not watching the main events, it's a two-day event. Right. Um, so there's sort of like this weird sort of, like, if you're there to watch some high-level play, Sunday's going to be where you get your good stuff. But then Sunday's, there's, there's no consistency to Sunday except, for like, Street Fighter. Maybe Tekken. Yeah. Um, and now Smash going forward. I yeah, imagine. I would imagine going forward Smash because, like, they, like last year they had, like, it was weird because, like, they, they they had Smash 4 and Smash, uh, you know, for Melee. But then, like, Melee overtook Grand Finals where Smash right. 4 was Saturday. But it was flipped the year before that. So it was, like, yeah. it, Grand Finals on Sunday can be all over the place as far as, as, you know, when it's not, you know, Street Fighter will always be there, but, like, you know the the final yeah. game. You know, like yeah. what what else is going to be there is, is different and stuff like that. So, it's it's an interesting thing. Like last year they had Dragon Ball in the grand finals, and this year Dragon Ball was put on. Well, was because Dragon Ball takes forever, right? <laughs> it, just, it just eats so much time. Yeah, you know per per match. So I I I don't think there's any way that Ultimate isn't isn't in every grand finals going forward that's, because that's the problem the thing, with four was like that it had some balance issues. Like I think I love. I like four way more than melee. I'm not a melee fan. Yeah, but, I'm in the same boat. But like you know, the, the, those last those finals last year were really, really, really a bummer because it was Bayonetta versus Bayonetta. She was so oh, strong. Oh gosh, yes. In yes. this tournament with Ultimate, you had eight different oh, characters and and or yes. seven or eight different characters in the top eight, let alone the top thirty two. Yeah. And the last match was Pokemon Trainer, a character yeah. you would never expect to see in the yeah. finals versus, versus Joker, Joker, who's Joker. really that's really cool too. So and before that, Wario versus Joker and loser's right. final, like Wario is yeah. in here. What? And I just want to point out to everybody watching that, yes, MK Leo won the tournament, and that's true, but the only person who was able to take MK Leo down oh, yeah. to zero was Kamehameha, who's Mega Man. Mega so Man, in my yep. view, Kamehameha technically won the tournament. <laughs> he didn't. But I just wanted to point that out. He was the only one who could take down MK Leo. But I will but. <laughs> say it was really interesting watching the top eight because it was like 2-0, 2-0, Yeah. And then it got to winner's final, and then it got, like, in- yeah. then it got really intense and yeah. close. Yeah. And then it was like you know back and forth. Uh, but it, it, the first few matches when it, in in the top eight for Smash, I was like, "Well, this is wow, this is like two O's." Like, yeah, like it's weird watching that because a lot of some of the other fighting games, it'll never go two O. It'll always be back and forth mm-hmm. down to the wire. But like, just like Smash, I want to like point out too with Soul Calibur Six, nine characters used in top eight. Mm-hmm. That's so I, to That's me, awesome. I love that. Me too. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of like. Like you know, previous years was Bayo Bayo Bayo, yeah. um, although it was real two years ago it was real exciting to have that that there was that Bayo versus Diddy Kong final, that was Zero's you know, Diddy Kong yeah, yeah that was and, really cool it, and and it pulling off that that hail mary at the end with that kill combo that was great yeah um, but again yeah it was a lot of a lot of Bayo and you know Bayo and Cloud 
Yeah, um, and I agree with you. To me, it's all about character diversity. Yeah, like and, but that's one of the reasons I'm not a melee fan. Is you see the same like five, yeah. six, and, characters. and I think Joker winning does kind of repeat the sort of thing where you know I've I've been in fighting game development where there's two ways to to develop a fighting game, and it's either you know with regards to new characters, either at the end of the dev cycle or DLC characters, is you can either try to balance them as you go along, or you you overpower them. You release them, and then you basically try to like right, yeah. bring them back down to earth, normalize them. Right, because that 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 has appeal. Like, or like I'm gonna yeah. play by these super strong, strong yeah. characters. Then you and it clearly it, yeah. happened in Smash Four. Well, and it certainly <laughs> just. Ha- I mean, I almost feel like, and I don't want to go there quite yet because he hasn't been out for too long. But it almost feels like Hero might be Smash Ultimate's Bayo moment, where he is again. I it's he's not out, been out for very yeah. long. I don't want to say he's busted. But he feels really strong. Yeah, and it feels like that's what they're doing because Joker won this tournament. You right. Know, Hero just came out. So it's like these characters are coming in like really good and then maybe over time they're going to get normalized a bit, which right. I kind of prefer that in a way. Like, oh, like I uh, stuff I've helped consult on and stuff, it, when you bring a character out when he's too, when you're too thoughtfully trying to, to make them um, balanced, you end up kind of just releasing a boring character. That makes yeah, that's you fair. Know, you you every character should be way too good, and then as you play test, you go, okay, this is what we need to, to bring them down to earth. Yeah, I feel yeah. like companies also go, generally go that route anyway. Beyond just fighting game community, but uh, in fighting games, I feel like uh, any game introduces new jobs, new classes, new characters. Uh, especially when they're paid DLC and stuff like that, uh, it's usually in their best interest to make them as as appealing as possible. Mm -hmm. And making them a little bit more overpowered means that people are going to gravitate towards them at the beginning and adopt them, which means more sales for them. They're getting stuff. That's like the Well, I mean, it's the honest way. Like you need, like they need people to buy into the system. And it's, I think it's easier for them to on the, uh, over time, Bring it back down. It's it's easier to start sure. higher and bring them down than maybe too low and try and bring them up because balancing stuff is a hard job. It's yes. not easy, and I I think you are always going to upset people. But I think when a lot of people want to play the new stuff, you're making more people happy than angry. When oh this is what I want to play. Oh I'm interested in playing it. Oh it's a good character. Yeah I'm going to stick with it. And then you slowly bring it down over time. It's like okay I get it. It was a little too overpowered. Versus if it stinks like uh, oh this. This is yeah. like getting destroyed by everyone. No one's gonna adopt it. It becomes like almost a dead character job, or whatever. And people abandon it too early, and it's like, ooh, ooh that, that's a big yeah. mistake. Yeah, it's called Lobo and Injustice One, right? Yeah, <laughs> but and yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think that approach is probably best. Uh, and I do expect in the next patch, like four point one or whatever, I do think Hero will. Get, you know, get some nerfs, uh, hopefully, anyway. I mean, um, you know, again, I don't think... I think it's too early to say he's completely broken. But there are some things he can do that are pretty ridiculous. Uh, but going back to Evo, uh, I will say that I very rarely... I'm not one of those people who will go to Evo and, you know, get into the hype and then go home and buy a fighting game that I really <laughs> love watching because I know I'm not good enough to get a lot out of it. This year is different, however, because my wife and I were watching the Tekken 7 finals, which were Ooh, yeah. so hype. And I've mm-hmm. always appreciated Tekken from a distance. Like, I played 2 and 3 a lot on PS1, but ever since then, I just kind of watched it from a distance. But that made me go home and buy Tekken 7, cause, and I, which I then discovered is $14.99 right now. So if you want to get into Tekken at all, this is the time. It's 70% off, and I've been having a great time with it casually, and I, I don't know why this surprises me, because it's the Namco sound team. But I discovered that Tekken has some of the best music, like electronic music, I've ever heard. Like, these Tekken 7 soundtrack is just so good. Yeah. Except wow. for that building top one. 
I, I haven't played it enough yet to know oh. for sure. Oh, okay. you'll know. Okay, everyone, it's infamous because like okay. I've, I have friends who love Tekken, and I think Tekken has good music too. But there's this one, there's like one oddball track in Tekken Seven. Nice. That's just it's just a glaring noise at the top of this building top <laughs> level. Okay. And it's just like. What happened? Kind of, it, yeah. it was so good. That was the and moment then, they ran out of budget. But the thing is, on the uh-huh. PS4 version, you had, which I'm I'm assuming that's the one PS4, you got. Yeah. yeah, they actually have a jukebox mode so on good. PS4, which is really cool. All the previous um, games. Exactly. Yeah. So you actually can get rid of that, that one song forever. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's super weird because, yeah, like the music is always super good. And weirdly enough, uh, Okabe-san from uh, the Nier series he was doing oh right he was doing Tekken music yeah. back yeah, in the day that's right super right. like you know or like weird origin story there so yeah it almost sounds like a uh, like a Chrono Cross uh, situation where like the soundtrack is legendary in terms of its quality but then you have the battle theme and it was just such a <laughs> dissonant just not it didn't fit Look, with the rest of the game it wasn't very good Mitsuda is the best game composer possibly the best composer that ever lived yeah. I, I feel man has not been great at battle themes He's not. In, and in that's, general. That's what I'll say. Mitsuda used to be my favorite, and he's still, like, number two. But Yoko Shimomura, like, for me, she's, like, top. Like, Kingdom Hearts. I mean, good Lord. Parasite Eve. So, anyway, this Parasite isn't a video Eve. game no, music. So I'm, just, I'm just discovering I Parasite yeah. Eve. That's, that's, it's, I like Parasite Eve because I'm like, okay, I have not heard Yoko Shimomura do stuff like this. Yeah, her range is so, like, people forget that she did Parasite Eve. And, like, her range from, like, Super Mario RPG to Kingdom Hearts to Front yeah. Mission to... Yeah, front mission. Yeah, to like you know, Parasite Eve. She has such yeah. range. And people know me know how I feel generally about Kingdom Hearts, but I will always say Kingdom Hearts is a great soundtrack. Fair enough. Fair enough. The soundtrack is 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 fantastic. See, now we have to get series. back and have us back on to debate Kingdom Hearts because I'm a huge fan. So despite its issues, so we should do that. It'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, just would, that would be an amazing. Thing. Oh, yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Nice. Which is funny because like I think they're like for me for Kingdom Hearts music there are like exceptionally phenomenal tracks right. in that game. But there are also some that like I I just don't personally enjoy. Right. But like, for you me, it's always like, like man, any fun or whatever. For, for, <laughs> it's, I felt like I fell into this trap like I did with Breath of the Wild, where I didn't think it had a lot of music, mm-hmm. and then you go actually seek out the soundtrack. It's like, right. holy crap, look how many tracks are there. It's like. Yeah, yeah. I was being a little ignorant about yeah. that, but also sometimes it's, the game doesn't do itself any favors by not playing those tracks and letting them have time to breathe and, and enjoy there's, there's them. There's weird yeah. stuff too, like Pirates Two, or I'm sorry, Kingdom Hearts Two. The Pirates World has like a really just blab oh, MIDI version of yeah, Hans Zimmer's theme, which did. is like, yeah. which I'm almost wondering eh, if was there yeah. like a licensing problem there, Probably. something. I don't but know, Kingdom Hearts Three's music was whoo. And, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I will say yeah. this because you're such a big Smash fan as am I. I'm going to say something that's going to totally annoy you, but <laughs> I got my number one and number three dream characters: Mega Man, Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. Number two, I want Sora. I want Sora. No, no, so no and much. I've said this. Oh, okay. Sora is the last, you know, oh crap moment character. Right. He is the last like. I agree. Yeah. Um, and. and I would want Sora in the game just so I could have the music. <laughs> the two songs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, two songs. At least, yeah. At least like, yeah, like, you're not yeah. getting the music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, no, not those two. Not, yeah. not, the, not the vocal ones, but like, no, like the, the battle themes, like the theme where, you, where you're fighting uh, Rutger Hauer or whatever, previously Leonard Nimoy, whatever, the old Xehanort? elf guy. Whatever. You will get <laughs> the old elf guy. <laughs> the old elf. Whatever. The like, when you're fighting him, when you're fighting him in, in the Mediterranean, not Mediterranean Sea area or whatever, I don't remember what it is. Okay. I just know that okay. the music was really good at that point. You will get Traverse Town and the Traverse Town battle theme. Oh, and no. You will like it. And that, no, is no. It. that is all you will get. Yeah. That is all we'll get. <laughs> That's all you're Yeah. Oh, man. No. Could you imagine that? You know, it's, it's just Destiny Islands over and over. Yeah. I mean, yes, I can. Good enough. Good enough 
enough soundtrack, but imagine like it's Destiny <laughs> Islands and we only have two songs in there. I, I remember just... back when the the patch adding Cloud and Midgar like went live and like people were you know, just getting to see like only two songs and they, there were people like on Gaff saying, oh, well, you know, the, the, the patch date has probably only partially come through. So there's, <laughs> there has to be more music. <laughs> we were all just like, uh, oh, man. Yeah, no, so, yes, I can't imagine that, sadly, because it for, happened. Yes. <laughs> Um, I mean, Hero got eight, so that's why I'm like, well, if it's a DLC, they can they can grift a little more money out of Square Enix's yeah, music yeah. division. So yeah, they talked them to. <laughs> but no, I would, I would, I would be down. I would be down with 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 Sora. Fair uh, enough. I got Banjo, so I'm like, whatever. I'm so hyped. The rest of the world yeah. is all is right in the world. I have Banjo. You gotta be happy on some level. <laughs> and with hopefully, that. what you're saying about DLC characters starting off OP bodes well for Banjo Kazooie. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> better. Yeah. It better. Yeah. I want Banjo in finals at Evo next oh, year. Oh me too. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. gosh, yes. Do you remember? That. You imagine all the people going God. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So good. Get David Weiser, a grand you know, hell yes. Kirk Hope to like compose like music for Evo or something oh, for so that. Grand. <laughs> grand does like the grand final guess, suite or like, something. Well, like, what if they do at the Capcom route where they have like a special Capcom stage for like Street Fighter for Evo? That would be. But cool. like they make a special Smash Brothers stage next year. But that is actually something. The good point for Evo, something they could do. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. They, they had a. They had a little fun little trivia moments. You know. Will this super kill, you know, in between, and then they kind of screwed up with, you know, a little. That was some good ass Tekken by David. Oh my Oops. god, <laughs> that was the word. And I was actually about to say, hopefully, if they do go with that Grant Kirkhope idea, that they ask him for permission, have him come because... out there to play it. Like, you know, bring a band, bring an yeah. orchestra out there. That'd be cool. And they would never do that, but I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah. I can tell you though, being there in the audience for that weird snake moment was like, yeah, because I was looking around like, like at everyone's like, wait. What, is Snake coming to tech? This is so cool. I was, and then you later I, find I was, out. Yeah. I was sitting with Wooly, um, and he was like, like literally, like back in his chair, like, no, like literally, yeah. like blown away, like like wind had gusted him over. He's like, no, no way. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then, and then you find out, like from David Hayter's Twitter, that they didn't even ask him. Yeah, permission. Like that, that was a bad look for Evo, I think. Yeah, one of the few, uh, one of the, probably the biggest misstep of the yeah. tournament. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting experience for someone watching on Twitch because he couldn't really make it. It was because of what chat was screaming that mm-hmm. I could I couldn't even hear it. Like what happened? Because <laughs> the announcers, uh, it was uh, it was a uh, Markman and I believe Eris were on the commentators table for the Twitch stream. Yeah, and Eris like freaked out for a second. Like what was that? And yeah. Markman's like, oh, we'll talk about it later or something like that. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, well, what? Like yeah. I was like, oh, did they leak an announcement? And then chat's like, snake. It and was I'm a like, weird like, moment. What? Yeah, uh, but. Uh, Besides that, uh, when I was talking about um, maybe interesting things that maybe like Nintendo could do for Smash Brothers next year, uh, I want to get into a, a patron question about Nintendo's involvement with Evo and Smash Brothers, especially because we haven't gotten into it yet. We did talk about like the, the, the top eight and grand finals of Smash mm-hmm. Brothers Ultimate, but we didn't address that it was set the viewership record for Evo yes. uh, in terms of like is the, this the biggest game they've ever had uh, also in terms of entrance this amount of people who signed up to play it is a huge thing and uh, this question comes from Anthony Stevens it's about what Nintendo might want to do going forward with the competitive scene uh, with Nintendo setting up Nintendo Versus as a social media entry to help highlight the competitive scenes for their games both under their own competitive tours and third party organized events and starting to sponsor certain events in general, it seems that Nintendo is at least taking more care with the scene than before. However, it seems like Nintendo could do more to help boost the competitive scenes at the same time. 
If they are not willing to go down the esports prize pool route, like Capcom, Bandai Namco, and SNK, for example, what do you think they could do as an, an, as an alternative to help bolster and improve the competitive scene? Well, I think you hit on one right there. I hadn't even thought about it, but I love the idea. Like, they couldn't make it one of the DLC stages like that you could play any time, but I love the idea of a new event stages category where mm-hmm. you have temporary access to, like, an Evo-themed stage where you can, yeah. obviously, it would be used for the, the tournament, but players at home could also, like, have a cool experience getting to try that for themselves, and then after the tournament, it, you can't get it anymore. And I think that would be pretty cool. Um, one thing I will say, my concern about Nintendo getting more heavily involved with, with the tournament scene and I, I preface this by saying i play smash every way the right way to play smash is however you want i play with items i play without items whatever final smash is great stage morph but when we've seen nintendo run official smash tournaments yeah. it's always with items on and and again they're fun but i don't think they're as good in a like especially 1v1 i think you can make an argument for like free-for-alls if you want to have that kind of tournament but i think 1v1 items don't work and yeah, the, the, it's interesting because they actually got asked this recently, why mm-hmm. they did their tournament the way they did it. And their answer was because things like EVO already exist. Sure. There are already people doing okay. super hy- hyper-competitive tournaments. Right. And as you said, Smash is for everybody. It, right. it, it transcends just being a fighting game. It is a game for all audiences. And this is obviously also just Nintendo speak as well, corporate speak. Their tournament rules are meant for, hey, we'd like to give other people a chance to feel the thrill of being in a competition. And I do love that. And they do do that for yeah. a lot of their games. Over the history, they yeah. have done that to be for and everyone. Like Comic-Con, they always have like a kid's tournament. Yeah. And, and I, I think they should keep tournament. doing stuff like that. I just don't know if that's the right format for Evo. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I think the that – and but uh, Nintendo has also said they – they're kind of their philosophy is they're not really – it doesn't seem like they're completely okay with people profiting off like competing with their games. It's this like weird gray line for them, and they they kind of do make it a little black and white, and they clearly seem to stand on one side. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I think Sakurai has even said out oh, that he yeah. yeah he's not for that. He, yeah. he doesn't prefer his games to be uh, Smash to be used that way. And I think because of that Nintendo, I don't think they'll get ever more involved, especially like with pot, like a, yeah. increasing the pool. I agree. That's not going to happen. They're not going to be like Capcom. They're not going to be like SNK. They're not going to be like NetherRealm, who contributed significant money to the pots. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, and the difference there is that Capcom and NetherRealm, they have a huge vested interest in the fighting game scene because that is one of their biggest cash cows. Nintendo, yeah, they make a ton of money from Smash, but they'll make a ton of money from Smash no matter what. They don't need the esports scene. Splatoon 2 is going to sell crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that they've embraced it, but they don't need it in the same yeah. way that maybe Capcom and, and especially NetherRealm do. Uh, Nintendo will never contribute to a prize pool Yeah, because they don't need to. Yeah, uh, exactly. Smash... Ultimate's the best-selling fighting game of all time. If yeah, I'm not getting into that argument, yeah, I don't blame you. I, I agree with you. Let's <laughs> but just say whatever. That. <laughs> like it's the grand final game at Evo. Um, it's the best-selling fighting game of all time. Um, they don't. They don't need to. And and I personally, I personally feel that I don't think Nintendo wants to be involved. I think there's a section of NOA or some people within Nintendo that that kind of like. This oh, it's kind of cool. Like esports is definitely becoming a thing. We want to have at least some involvement in it. We want to be at least some presence there because it's just good marketing, just to at least have a presence. But, um, I yeah, I think little stages like a uh, uh, Evo centric stages or or tournament centric stages, that's a good way of of sort of like, kind of like we're involved. We're not necessarily, but we're not we're not 
getting involved monetarily, you know, with money give outs or anything like that. Um, I, I, I think Nintendo is hesitant and I think they're going to stay that way. I think they're always going to be at an arm's length yeah. when it comes to the esports scene um, because they do have an image and brand that they do, especially in, in, in America, especially that they do like to keep and maintain. And I, there's there's definitely baggage that comes with with anything with the FGC or any <laughs> really sure. esports anything. So yeah, I think Nintendo's like we like you know we like the idea of competitive like you know having the stuff it's it's cool but like you know we're we're going to stay you know this far away you know at all times we're we're going to only going to get this involved yeah. and stuff. Well, that, so. you know, that's a really good point because you know the FGC it's it's made such huge strides in the last several years and they've improved and I, and yeah. I respect that but. You know, sexism and racism and that kind of stuff still run fairly rampant, and they—I can see why Nintendo wouldn't want to have any. I mean, you just heard about uh, the Evo after party, which I How went was by. That? You were at, yeah. So I, I was going to go, and now I saw the line. I like, left. Whatever. I left early. Yeah. Actually, it looked and but then you know, but there were people who got roofied. Yeah, and like that, you know, Nintendo doesn't want to. Yeah, and, that. and the thing is, for for Evos, like that was not an Evo event. It was right. not at the hotel Evo was at it was I don't even know if they had any sponsorship or any organization it didn't seem like it I don't, so I don't, I don't necessarily blame so in, Evo in a for sense that. Yeah. it's like it's not really Evo didn't really have anything to do with that but it is part yeah it's all yeah. in that sort of area where stuff like that goes it's down it's still optics yeah. and and yeah it, it's it's there was I mean I remember hearing about a Pokemon TCG tournament you know where where like um, the second place or, or like one of the losers of the tournament like he found the room that the winner for the TCG tournament was, and he defecated in front of his hotel room door, you know, and then he got disqualified or something like that. Right. Or so, there was some, like, that was, like, that happened, too, and it's like, I don't think Nintendo wants to be involved <laughs> in, in in any sort of, like, yeah thing that'll, that's going to bring that up. Like, they don't want to, like, the last thing they want to hear about is that the Smash Brothers after party, a fight broke out, and someone possibly caught Rufy. Like, that is the last thing Nintendo wants to have on a headline with their name in it at all. Right. So. And then, you know, you look at a situation like, I can't remember the the other guy's name, but Low Tier God, when he had that face-off, like that confrontation mm-hmm. with the guy who beat him in Street Fighter Four, I think it was. Uh, wait, it was five. I think it was four. But, you know, he just went off on this expletive, mm-hmm. hate-filled tirade, and, you know, and, and they're talking, it's over Street Fighter. Imagine if that happened over Smash, and suddenly it's Nintendo's game, and you've got these people saying all these horrifically bad things to each other. Yeah. I, think, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the thing is like they, if Nintendo hosts a Smash tournament, they're probably deathly afraid of like <laughs> putting the mic in front of the winner. So how'd that go? And someone just goes off yeah. and like just says some real yeah. like eh, there's, stuff. Yeah, there, there's yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely room for Nintendo to like be concerned about like getting more heavy handed in that because of they're kind of like walking on eggshells because there is. As you said, there's been history of incidents, not just in FTC, but even in the Smash community and that, stuff. I would uh, say particularly. Yeah, in the Smash even as recent community. as like a certain player getting uh, removed from SmashCon eligibility, uh, the upcoming Smash Brothers tournament because of history of violence. Yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, does Nintendo step in with that? You know, what if they were officially involved with that? Like, how does that look? And, but at the same time, yeah, it, it, it. We know how Nintendo is, especially Nintendo of America. Yeah, they, they have a, they have a distinct brand. Uh, in a messaging that they go for, yeah. and as long as stuff plays within that ru- that set of rules and fits that, they're all for it. Once you veer off from that, that's when I think they get a little bit more trepid. They're like, "This is not a good look yeah. for us. We don't want to have any involvement." in and, this. and I think it's a greater thing in general with like esports as a whole. 
It's just, guess what? It's just like every other athletic association. You look at any other major professional sports, and the stuff we're talking about, which all sounds horrible, this happens all the time in professional that's you know, professional sports stuff. So, you know, that's that is that is something that comes with any sort of competition, athletics, what have you. It's just like, yes, sometimes, you know, you get people who make really poor life decisions while being very good at this particular sport. So it's with, and I think that's probably what scares Nintendo is because when you're doing directs, when you're doing E3, when even when you're doing even Comic-Con stuff, like Nintendo has 100% absolute control over what they're showing, who's talking, you know, yada, yada. Like, you know, when Nintendo's doing stuff at E3, they have their their little, you know, uh, Elysium-style stage up above everyone else from the show floor because they don't want anyone to even be on camera in the background anymore during right. their Nintendo Treehouse live events. They they want they want that absolute amount of control. And and when you dive into com- like anything competitive, when you're dealing with you know people who are the best at what they do when in a competition like thing, yeah, this stuff will come up. Because they're not employees of Nintendo and stuff like that, they don't yeah. they don't have the absolute control over every single aspect of of esports and Smash Bros. And this is why I think it's going to be hard for Nintendo to do anything extra than what they've already done. And I yeah. this is why I kind of shy away from. I don't think Nintendo ever will get too involved. Um, they'll they'll yeah. it, if it, they do, it'll be glacial. At the glacial right. pace. Yeah. I mean, a perfect example is, you know, Nintendo's, I think their overall message with the Switch has been games are for everybody. Everyone can play. Literally, if you're if you're super enthusiastic or if you just want to play some, you know, really, you know, like, like puzzle games or whatever, mobile style games, that's fine too. It's all legitimate. It's for everyone. Just a couple of months ago, there was a 12-year-old girl who bodied one of the best players in Smash Ultimate, and the community initially, most much of the community, tried to bully her out of the scene because she was a 12-year-old girl, and that's just not okay, apparently. Thankfully, she had a lot of supporters, more supporters than bullies, who convinced her to stay in the scene. But some, stuff like that happens. It's like that, that flies directly in the face of their messaging. Gaming is for everyone except 12-year-old girls if you're playing Smash Brothers Ultimate and you're good at it. That's nonsense, and they don't want to be associated with that crap you know? yeah companies have done a better job of like speaking out against that and trying to like use their kind of like muscle to tournaments be like we don't stand for that either and you need to do something about it but as you pointed out earlier there's a long history of this and it's yeah. problematic and like that's one of the many reasons that you both have illustrated why especially nintendo who as you said loves so much control will probably always prefer to do their own style of tournament events where that's where they get heavily involved with, with some kind of prize and stuff like right. that and they will like be at most be like on a sponsor level of something right. like an evo because oh sony's involved like all these other big companies are involved with this on a sponsor level we're okay with that but going beyond that level of commitment and involvement i think we're never going to see that from nintendo nah. i don't think they're going to like work with the fighting game community on that level and yeah, this their long history of like before these Smash games came out, just like the history of Melee specifically, how kind of like the friction between that. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think they saw what it is, what it you know they called it, what it is, and said, no, we're not going to be involved in that, and that's just the way it's yeah, going to be. And, and yeah. I think you know, you know better than anyone. We 
I think all of us probably here know how hard it can be just to work with Nintendo, like oh, yeah. just from an E3 standpoint or coverage standpoint, because they're so selective about how they want info and stuff getting out. You know, we know so like full even, well. even when it comes to like and, and and yeah, there's a lot of baggage that comes with dealing with certain YouTube personalities as well. So what do they do? They make <laughs> they make their own, <laughs> and and kind of just like we have our own controlled. You know, uh, narrative. N- narrative, yeah, stuff like that. Um, even though, like, I, you know, I feel like, you know, people like certain other people, like, 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 like I'll shout out. Gerard's a great guy, and he's been, he's done stuff for yeah. him, and that's great. But it's like you can't, you know, you never know if you're always going to get someone like, like Gerard, who's, who's a wonderful guy. You know, you don't always know if you're going to, you know, if that's what you're going to get, because you don't want to like have a, you know, a, a meet and greet with like Reggie, and then the next week something blows up, you know, terrible. You know, they're probably afraid of that, which I think bleeds probably into the esports stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, if, you know, for every Gerard or, or she says there's a PewDiePie or a Bitblock or whatever that you just like, you don't want to be associated with on a well period, I would say, but especially on a corporate narrative level. And that's just, I, I think there are too many risks involved. Uh, yeah, I definitely For agree. Nintendo to want to even yeah. think about that. So it, it's it's really cool in the end. I think it's really cool that Smash was Grand Finals. Yeah. I think it's really cool that, you know, that happened. But as far as, like, Nintendo getting more involved, I don't think so. And I don't think we're ever going to see, like, announcements at Evo from Nintendo. Oh, yeah. That, like, like, everyone, like, hey, where's oh, the yeah. announcement? <laughs> like, like, is it over? Saying, is oh, it DLC over? number four. No. Honestly, I, I, I think, if anything, yeah. trying to put Smash at Grand Finals was maybe the, a reach, outreach from Evo to be like, we'll make you the headline game. Would you... Everyone else announced stuff. Like I think they were hoping that that hero footage or whatever, like they like went up right before Evo. Mm-hmm. I think they were maybe hoping maybe that can be something we debut at Evo. But Nintendo was just not game for it at all. Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't think that's ever. Gonna I think there's. I think. That. I think. I honestly do think that because Street Fighter's always been the last game, always. And this year yeah. was the first year it wasn't Street Fighter. Which is really, the yeah. fact that Smash got that honor is a yeah, big deal. Yeah, it was Smash. And I th- honestly think it might have been a bit of an outreach to, to Nintendo to be like, would you like to use Evo as an announcement platform like everyone else? And I think Nintendo was just like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and it could also be, to be a little bit more optimistic, it could just be a this year thing. Like they already have their plans for Smash true. mapped out yeah. for the That's whole of the fighter pass for yeah. this time. And Maybe a future Evo. It, could all, it still could have been what you said, Simmons. Yeah. But it's for future years. Like, hey, we understand you have nothing for this year, but we'd like to keep giving you the spot because yeah. please consider us down the line. Like, if you do a season yeah. two of Smash DLC yeah. or something like that, consider us as part of your plan. And, and next you look time. at it like, look at the numbers that it got this year at Evo. Maybe that's maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they needed to see the numbers mm-hmm. before there. And maybe so. Maybe next time next year they'll be like, mm, okay, because you know. Because maybe they won't have the same venue to announce new DLC characters like they did this year, next year. Well, and and, and money talks. I don't Mm -hmm. see how there's any universe in which Smash Ultimate is not the the next, uh, for next year, the Grand Finals game, the last one as well. Unless, like, you know, by some weird miracle, Street Fighter VI is out by then, but it's not going to happen. So (laughs) I just, because money talks and, and stream viewer numbers talk, and I just don't see how anything other than Smash Ultimate could take that top spot again. Definitely agree. Well, that was some good Evo talk. Uh, glad you both enjoyed your time there. Of course. And uh, again, watching it just on Twitch, you know, it was there were really great uh, yeah. top eights and some really good grand finals. Did you happen tournament. to catch uh, Sam show? 
Yes, I saw it Sam. So I saw good. Sam Francisco. It was amazing. It was fun. That game is such a pleasure to watch. It is. It's yeah. so fun there, to watch. There that. was so much fear going into that that it was just going to be seven Genjiros, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, which which made the top eight for Sam Show so so much better because like I like Sam Show and I was like oh I'm I'm gonna watch this I'm gonna be excited for this one and then like everything leading up everyone around the show floor was like it's just gonna be seven Genjiros it's just gonna be Genjiro 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 and it wasn't nice. Thank, thank yeah. God yeah. I was like yeah and like every time. Someone will come up with counter pick Gendron. I was like, yeah, awesome. you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Galford, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And is you know, we point like we did talk about some like problematic stuff in fighting community and like you know just in general, but like also such great moments from this Evo that highlight like the 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 great side of the fighting game community and the fighting game the Dragon Ball yeah. Fighters uh, Grand Finals uh, Goichi finally beating Sonic Fox in that Grand Finals mm-hmm. and him the minute he won Goichi just breaking down and crying and Sonic Fox just like embracing him yeah. and stuff and like just hugging him and being like so supportive yeah. of that it was just there was yeah and Arslan Ash Arslan Ash yeah, like yeah. representing Pakistan great. and like you know just that moment it was like a very powerful moment for them and then just seeing him trying like you could see like just trying to contain that emotion it's just and i have to say i yes it is important to, to know that there's a lot of goodness in the fgc as well and oh, i yeah. have to say i was really worried for uh arslan ash when he forgive my my ignorance but when he did his religious oh like he, you know, Allah, before yeah, yeah and, and it, which he should do that's totally fine but i was really worried especially in today's political climate that people were going to start booing him or something and they didn't ah. everyone clapped it actually i would say the applause got louder when he did that and so that's representative of some really great people in the fgc i, 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 I was just like wondering if like because <laughs> i knew exactly what he was doing mm. and, and i know you're always supposed to bow towards mecca and i was almost wondering like my whole thing was like geographically what what, what direction <laughs> i my whole brain was like for like literally like ten more minutes, I was sitting there thinking like, where are we sitting in this arena? Which direction are we facing? And I'm just because I thought it was a. Oh, really you thought you th- might have a moment of confusion. No, no, no. Like yeah. no I was confused because oh. I was like, man, I know what he's doing. That's a really cool gesture. What direction am I looking? Because <laughs> so, uh-huh. you you wind into you know see. you know you go around a big oval and stuff like that. So I was just kind of like, man, I wonder like what direction you know is that is that towards it? I was like, I don't know. To me, that was a really cool. It was a really cool gesture. Yeah. And in my geographical brain, was just trying to figure out where I was sitting <laughs> at the moment after it happened because I thought that was dang, that was really cool. Yeah. I yeah. That, you know, um, the only the only tournament I missed uh, was was Blaze Blue. I didn't um, see that one either. Um, I didn't either. <laughs> so, came in right at the start of Street Fighter. Te- you know, saw Tekken, and then you still saw Smash. So, Sam Show, Soul Calibur, yeah. those were all good. I, I was really far away watching the Goichi final at Dragon Ball. So, I actually didn't see what happened on stage. Oh, I was so oh, okay. far back watching. Oh, yeah. Like so, t- I actually did not see what happened between Sonic Fox and Goichi Oh, gosh. Like, yeah. He- I was just like, Goichi won. I was like, oh, wow. Goichi, I guess he got it. You know, because I'm like, this is like Straight a... Up. If you're a hockey fan, um, uh, if you're not, I apologize. Like a Kings and a Blackhawks moment, you know, totally. where the LA Kings and Chicago Blackhawks, there was like a couple of years where they were like back and forth between winning Stanley Cups. Right. And uh, it was like, whoa, like that, to me, that's what's going on here. Like Sonic Fox and Goichi are just kind of back and forth on, on this stuff. Yeah, like mm-hmm. great rivals and stuff, but also shows that like, you know, even like in the Pokemon sense, we were talking about rivals earlier, like right. versus dicks being dickheads to each other versus like actually you know we're, we're building a camaraderie here even though i really want to beat you yeah. but we're still really good friends Stop and stuff being so i like yeah. i like that more in real life yeah. i like i like the jerk kind of villain or like a rival in games 
but I wouldn't want to ever have like a friend, like a friend like a rival like that in real life because <laughs> that's just that would be toxic. But but I do love that when when top level players are such good sports and embrace each other and shake hands and congratulate each other. Yeah, that's and, and as someone who worked in, in like I said, I worked in the education field for like fifteen years. The most important thing, well, what's the most important thing? To learn, learn how to lose gracefully, because that's oh. the thing a lot of people yeah. don't know, and it's like. You know, and you see it. You do see it at Evo. Usually, with the top eight players, a lot of times it's like they they know how to lose gracefully because and win gracefully and win gra- and winning, yeah. of course, winning gracefully too. Yeah, yeah I, I should I should always mention that. Like, <laughs> don't 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 be like Gary in uh, Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, bring it back to Pokemon. Yeah. don't be like Gary. Bring be like. Whatever he was, be like, be like how, how, yeah. There you go. I was gonna say yeah. Howie Mandel, but I'm like, I know that's not what he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's gonna wrap it up for us for this episode of Friend Code. Um, the, the only last thing I want to say is like, I haven't been to Evo in years. I stopped going to Evo before they changed the Sunday structure to oh, having okay. it like that. Mm-hmm. So it used to, when you're talking about, oh, you can't get stuff on Sunday, I also want to say, like, no, Sunday used to be, it was the same place, yeah, same I, venue, just, like, go in there, and now it's like, I've not been since I've done that. You should go, that, just for the just for One the year I'll have experience. to go back and just check yeah. that out for the finals experience. Probably when they do a refresh, when, like, the newer versions of, like, the existing games come out on sure. top of, like, Smash will yeah, be a great and, year. Yeah, and that's what I've been telling a lot of people. Like, yes, Guilty Gear got announced, um, oh, yeah. which was awesome, and, and yes... Uh, Grand Blue got a release date in February, but I'm like, for the most part, I don't think you're going to see a lot of. Uh, I think we're going into a little bit of a winter with fighting games, mm-hmm. where you're going to get season passes and DLCs, but the, we're going to be there's going to be a little bit of a, a of a waiting period before you see Tekken Eight, Street Fighter Six, you know, mm-hmm. obviously Smash, whatever. If they ever do another Smash, I kind of hope they just keep. I'm fine with Ultimate. Just, <laughs> just keep making Ultimate. So it's like, yeah, yeah we're we're getting close to that next gen. So I yeah. think next year. You know, maybe depending when Guilty Gear comes out, but like you're just gonna, you're not going to see brand new games in Evo next year. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I don't it's, think it's going to be these games again. I would be largely it, inclined it, to depending agree. on what happens with Grand Blue, maybe. Yeah. Woo, Evo, good stuff. <laughs> always, uh, I always love Evo time, and then it's like, oh, gonna be another. I mean, there's obviously tournaments in between, but like Evo is Evo. It is. Like the Super Bowl of the fighting mm-hmm. game community, but I want to thank you both for joining me today. Of uh, talking about Pokemon, talking about Game Boy, talking about Evo here. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of how old I am. Yes, hey, that's not me. That. That's that's Game Boy doing it, and right. uh, our patrons and stuff writing those questions. Which I want to thank all of you who submitted questions uh, for Friend Code. If you'd like to submit a question for consideration for a future episode of Friend Code, uh, you need to be a $5 and up patron. The week that we will be recording, I will make a post on Patreon calling for your submissions. I'll also let you know what we'll be talking about on the episode as well. And if you're a $5 and up patron, you are also part of the Early Access tier where you get this episode and episodes of many of our other shows uh, early. Um, you should be If you're a patron, you'll be watching this on Sunday. If not, you get it on Tuesday. And regardless, even if you're just watching this, thank you for your support. And, uh, yeah, uh, before we go here, uh, anything uh, you want to say, like anything you want to give a shout-out to before we wrap up here? Oh, man. Anything you're working on? Anything cool like that? Uh, well, I will say that uh, Game Explain, ha- we've really been shoring up our, our new Nintendo Switch con- uh, content. Basically, uh, uh, st- one of us, oh, Steve, the-, the Red Box, the Red Box Switch. He was able to get a hold of one, like, immediately. This is the refresh with the... The refresh the, yeah. switch, not the new switch. Yeah, the refresh switch. And, and so we've been doing a nice. ton of videos on, like, load times and 
performance. Like I think we we just did one uh, comparing the Korok Forest and Breath of the Wild. On oh, good Switch place. Yeah, the, that's a great the, spot. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and, and we haven't seen too much of that content elsewhere. So, I would shout out that content for nice. sure. Yeah. So, if you're interested in the revised Switch and how it, how or if it's performed better, excellent. Uh, go check that out. Nice. Yeah. And uh, where can uh, people check your stuff out? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, just my name, Ash Paulson, A S H P A U L S E N. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that name. Also on Game Explain. Although I do a little less content than the other guys right now because I have a separate kind of full time job. GX doesn't pay the bills, so I gotta, you know, focus on that too. But uh, yeah, you can find me at all those places. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see a lot of stuff about video game music and dogs and lots of pictures of my dog and and video games. Just yeah, it's a lot of fun. So nice. yeah. What about you, Simmons? Uh, so I run YouTube.com/slash Yo Video Games. Um, yeah, obviously you can see me on the weekends at Maximilian Dude stream Maximilian underscore Dude. I stream on Twitch.tv/slash Assist Me Doom, uh, all one word. Yeah, so those are those where you can find me on online, and you know you can come hang out and talk. And, and of course, we have a Yo Video Games podcast. If you if you want to hear me talking more about you know a lot, again a lot of more than you know Nintendo stuff and general like Evo stuff as well because I, I think we you and I both probably just had a lot of discussion oh, about and tweeted a ton about Evo about too. Evo too <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah that's where you can find me Yo Video Games and Assist Me Doom on Twitch so thank nice. You. Well, thank you once again, and until next time, everybody, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.